You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. The Boss Hog of Liberty podcast is the latest hit on the We Are Libertarians network. Each week, Jeremiah Morrill and Dakota Davis explore life in Henry County, Indiana. It's a show about our circle of friends, public officials, and our experiences. 80% observation, life, humor, and 20% politics. Boss Hog of Liberty is the day-to-day happenings of Henry County, Indiana, which is just like your community. Add us on iTunes and sample us today. Dear Leader would want you to. Hey there, Liberty lovers. This is Mark Clare of the Lions of Liberty podcast, where we strive to bring you great conversations about the ideas of liberty three days a week, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Check us out at lionsofliberty.com. Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton, and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow Podcast, striking the root every single episode. Hey, Liberty Rockers, this is Johnny Rocket from the Johnny Rocket Launchpad. Each week, I strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, economists, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check it out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com or find us on iTunes. Each show is action-packed, explicit, and a lot of fun. So join me at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com every week for the newest episode. Keep liberty alive and rock and roll. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. I am your host, Chris Spangle. We bring you all of the irreverence modern politics deserves while putting people before political parties. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective with the goal of leaving you better informed. Please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and subscribe at Patreon uh, on Patreon at WeAreLibertarians.com. In exchange for supporting our program, we give you all kinds of bonus content and free stuff. Harry has a show called Loki Wall that you can only listen to on the private feed. You get uh, CD quality audio, you get no commercials, you get the tail ends. We just talked for almost 15 minutes. Described the podcast setup that the Boss Hog and I use. Very interesting stuff. You got, uh, let's see, you got the speech that I gave to a bunch of high school students on how to get into broadcasting. So always giving you a lot of extra audio on the private RSS feed. Join on Patreon. The show is crowdsourced, so you can send us news with the hashtag WALnews or in our Facebook group or Discord channel. All available at WeAreLibertarians.com. Very professional. Uh, we are always taking your questions and comments via email at editor at WeAreLibertarians.com. Lots of great letters. Finally looked at my email this quarter. <laughs> and uh, we're going to do some listener letters today. And please be warned that this show is raw, unedited, and authentic. So the language is sometimes strong and a little offensive. Let's start with the lovely Sarah Potter. So nice to see you. You are a Patreon subscriber. I am at ten dollars a month instead of seven. Now why is my fiance? Yes. Now why are you a why are you a Patreon subscriber? I enjoy the extra content, and I'm supporting a friend. Thank you very much. That's very nice of you. She thinks you're friends. No, that's that's the voice of Jeremiah Morrill, the boss hog. Now we were on his podcast. I haven't introduced you yet. (laughs) (laughs) I'll wait patiently. I love the shirt, Jeremiah. 
Yeah. This is our official uh, Boss Hog Liberty. Uh, Dakota and I have these polos. It's very, very nice. They're big time. Matching polos. and we, that, we go everywhere dressed the same now. And then you've also brought your one of your co-hosts. We brought uh, Cade Coger, the, uh, one of the other, I guess we have three regular rotating cast members as well. Uh, Danny Morrill, my brother, uh, Chase Payton, and Cade, Cade Coger. So uh, this is the first time we've been able to bring Cade on the big show. Yep. And uh, we're Good really excited to be here. Yep. Thanks yes. for bringing me. We we stuck one in the can a week or so ago for Boss Hog. So sorry, Sarah. They got uh, they got their episode on Tuesday. Okay. So if you go listen to episode 40, uh, 48 of the Boss Hog Liberty, you got uh, you got that one this week, and we get a bonus wall episode. Yeah. So I was really nice to Cade for like the first two months of being uh, his online friend because I thought he was an heir to Kroger. But there's no R in his last name. Nope, no R. No you, R. I, you probably think the same thing about Tanner Purdue and his ties to the university, don't you? Or the chicken, you know. Well, I know nobody's leaving any inheritance to Tanner, so. <laughs> Unless it's baseball cards. Yes. Now, uh, this is the first episode. Jer has been here because we did an episode recently, but this is the first time that you've been here, Sarah, since the big announcement. Yeah. Would you like to fill the listeners in? Well, Jeremiah and I are engaged now. See the sparkly ring? Congratulations. I don't know if you can see it on the Mevo or not. It's pretty big, though, so I'm sure you can. Um, but yes, so December 2nd, we got engaged. It's like, man, we're not, it's, he, no, it's July. We're getting married in July. <laughs> I already forgot. We are getting married in July, and uh, we've got all of the plans kind of squared away for the most part, just trying to get invitations put together. Making sure we don't overpopulate the area that we are wanting to fill. Now, so. here's the thing. Uh, I have a nickname for Sarah. Her nickname is Purse String Potter. Yes. Because now Jerry is frugal. Uh, <laughs> as a, a match. As a former co-host coined him Jewy Jer. Uh, <laughs> like he. It's not that bad. I was personally offended by that, but Jerry is a very cheap, cheap person. But you've married someone who outcheaps you like you wouldn't believe. Purse String Potter. No plus ones at the wedding. I was informed. Um, there are your, some people who get plus. Your ones. plus one has been redistributed. That's yeah, all it is. no, that's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, I I'm forced to be plus one with uh, an someone un- else. An unfortunate, unfortunate date. Uh, <laughs> but I think you'll be okay. You guys will have a good time. I know we will. Yeah. Uh, now, so very excited for the wedding. Uh, yes. What kind of wedding will it be? It, it will be simple, but it'll redneck be... Redneck chic? It's not going to be redneck chic. Are you coming down on a tractor? I am not coming down on a tractor. I can set that up. Depends upon how much mud there is, really. Camo well, tuxes? So, okay, <laughs> the tuxes so aren't ordered yet. It's all negotiable. Originally, I asked my mom, I was like, okay, we're going to have to shuttle people because it's at Jeremiah's brother's house, which is on a county road out kind of in the middle of nowhere, but there's not a whole lot of parking on his land where we could just park cars for right. people to come to a wedding. So we got permission from the school that's like a quarter mile down the road um, to use their parking lot that day. And they were cool with it because we know somebody who works there. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Rachel Valor. Okay. Am I not allowed to say her name? I don't know. Oops. <laughs> Thank you, person that works at school place. Um, anyways, so I was like, oh, well, we can do like a hayride type thing on the way over, you know, because mm-hmm. that'll be cheap and that'll be easy. Cade probably has a hay wagon or something. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then my mom's like but what about the elderly? <laughs> and I was like, you make a fair point, but I'm sure people would help them into whatever kind of wagon or, you know, there would be steps. We could figure it out. Honestly, so now- I've been around some of the elderly that hangs around <laughs> the moral clan. I, no, no need, right? I, I, I think that if they can't get in a hay wagon, you can either walk 
or uh, you can just have send someone a gift wheel and, you and don't come because <laughs> there will be other inconveniences along the way. Yeah, if we lose so, one, we lose one. <laughs> <laughs> wedding and a funeral, whatever. Oh, your now mom's going to jinx it now. Your mom's going to be so pissed. <sighs> you guys got to do it. My mom was uh, calling me on the phone as you guys walked in. Yes, as treat. A treat. I, I just don't know why you're such a disappointment to her, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, see, the funny thing is my sister, I found out, listens to the podcast. Uh, and my niece, my four-year-old niece, loves it because she loves to listen to Uncle Tiss talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so they listen, my brother-in-law listens. I think my brother will occasionally listen to an episode, but I guarantee my dad and mom have no idea what the name of this show is. They have no idea what's going on in terms of my career, my life, my hobbies, any of that stuff. Uh, and, and I'm okay with that, trust me. <laughs> um, but she, So I sent her the audio of the speech that I gave to those high school students about how I got into broadcasting and how they can too. She was like, I didn't know any of that. I'm so proud of you. I was like, thanks, Mom. So, thanks, so yeah. Mom. She's like, how do I send it to a friend? I was like, listen. My co-host just walked in. I don't have time to explain how to send a link <laughs> on your phone to your friend. She's like, I don't have her. I don't have her email or her phone number. I'm like, I can't help you. I gotta go. <laughs> carrier my, pigeon. My you mother and uh, Sarah's mother watch the live stream of Boss Hog every episode. Of course, on, in the, on room. the big screen. Yeah, it gets at least in my on house. The TV. Yeah. Well, that's the fun thing about. So, if you're a Patreon subscriber, at ten dollars a month, you get access to the live stream of the show. Mm-hmm. And the chat that goes along with it, and it's so much fun because there's a little group of people that spring up on our shows and chat with each other on Tuesdays and Thursday nights when we do the show. So it's really fun because you, you not only get to support the program, you also get the live stream. You get to watch it simultaneously on YouTube, on your Roku, uh, if you so choose. You can watch the rebroadcast later on the YouTube archive. But you also get a community. You get access to the Facebook group. You get to meet some friends. And it is, it's always fun. That's probably the better deal out of it than watching it live. Mm-hmm. It's getting to talk to other fans of the show. Yeah. So, and, and Jer's mom and Sarah's mom. That's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, make comments. I'm waiting for your mom to pop in here any moment now. Uh, Does she know that you're on wall tonight, or is she unaware? Uh, she's unaware, but I did. Oh. Uh, I did share the secret link into the uh, the private Boss Hogger Liberty group. Cool. So our super fans know. Uh, however, I, being a rookie and not knowing how this YouTube thing works, I can't figure out how to see the comments. So I can see the video stream, but I can't actually see the comments. Oh. I'm. I don't know what I'm doing. Here, let me see this. I have literally no idea. Please be my t- IT guy. I would think you would. Uh, I feel like I'm talking to my mom right yeah. now. <laughs> Please, Christopher, fix it for me. Uh, it wants me to sign in because it opened through the web browser because it was a link. Well, I, I don't. So I don't have any. I can't do this for you yeah, now. You I can't see. I'm yeah. trying to host a show here. Right. I didn't. I didn't ask for help. You just tried. The the f- fun and interesting thing about this week's show is that we're celebrating daylight daylight savings time. Daylight saving time. Yeah, there's no plural there, Hoosier. Whatever. Uh, and we we don't have the studio curtains up. We don't have the lights. We have one light on, so we can so Sarah doesn't get washed out. But you actually get to see my kitchen in the background, the window that's behind me, and uh, the natural light. We're... I, I've got a beautiful look at the Canadian geese and the people that are fishing your retention pond. Isn't this nice? It is very nice. That's why it's open. It's it's not just a celebration of DST, which <laughs> I, I love. And you people who bitch about it, I don't care, because I walked out of work at 8 p.m. last night, and it was daylight. I loved it. And so 
I have this beautiful, and, the, and like in a month, this is going to be all blossomed. It's going to smell perfect. It's great. I love this apartment. It's very nice. So, uh, so we're enjoying the views, and you should check that out and see what the studio looks like. And when it's not a quote-unquote studio, we fool people on the YouTube channel by thinking that this is not my kitchen table that I grew up on and uh, the kitchen behind us. So we're going to do uh, several things tonight. Let's get started. We are going to read some listener letters. I uh, finally got uh, got a chance to sit down and go through my email box. Uh, I read every letter that comes in, every message that comes in. If you send me a message, if you send me a tweet, if you send me an email, I read it as soon as you send it. Uh, I just can't always respond at that moment or within the net, within three months, uh, apparently, because <laughs> I was going, to, I was like, oh, this is from December. I feel bad. It's quarterly. No qu- big deal. Right. Well, so I was telling, like, at the day job, the day job gets about a thousand messages a day, like emails, messages, tweets, text messages. It's, it's, it's insane. So I spend all day on, in the email box and talking to people. And so by the time I get home, I'm just pooped. Uh, and so... So I, I got to the email and processed it all, and we got some great listener letters that we're going to go through. We're only going to get about halfway through tonight, but some uh, relevant ones. Let's start with this one before we talk about the student walkouts. This is from Josh. Listener Josh writes, hey, guys. Does he have his town? Uh, he, Do this bit where we play. We talk about what town they're in if we've never been there. No. My but, favorite Craig Ferguson bit ever. But before I do this, I'm the king of this. I start something and go, you know what? I almost forgot this. <laughs> Uh, I'll talk about it after I read this letter from Josh. Hey, guys. Just started listening to the podcast in the last month, and I love it. Keep up the great work. Thanks for all you do to keep us informed. Love, Josh. Now, I added sweet. I added the love, but... Josh is Aww. eight years old and goes to... Josh was me. South, Southport Middle School. <laughs> <laughs> Eight-year-old cr- in middle school? That's impressive. He's very, very, yeah. Well, obviously, he's, he's listening to Libertarian Podcasts. So, thank you, Josh. I appreciate it. A uh, lot, of, lot of great messages. You guys have really responded well to episode 270 and also uh, the one with Jordan Peterson. I think that was 262. You guys really responded uh, in a very positive way about those two, and I always appreciate those notes from people saying how much it meant to them. Got one from uh, from a Patreon subscriber that was so touching uh, and and so meaningful, and I I just appreciate it so much. So if you send us notes and I don't get you right back, I I did read it, I promise, and I will respond. I want to say we have started a so there's a podcast that I love called the Bad Christian Podcast, and it is. Um, it's a bunch of bad Christians <laughs> who have a podcast, and they have uh, set up a bunch of groups around their podcast, and, and people join these groups, and there's these little spinoff groups from the main group, and you build all these great little communities around interest. And so I, I got into one of our groups and said, what groups would you guys like to participate in? And we've created a bunch of different groups around interest. There's you know the the there's, shooters group. You've there's got your Christian group. You've got comedy your group. Comedy group. You've got the pod. Did you create a podcasters group? Or you talked Podca- about it? podcasting and platforms, which is the name of my forthcoming podcast on teaching you how to podcast and how to build a platform like we are libertarians. Uh, there's a boss hog. Yep, we have. Group. We've had one set up for for a long time. Uh, the uh, the the boss hogs inner circle. M- Miranda's world. There's one for each of the podcasts, and except for the Brian Nichols show, but I'm sure he'll get one soon. And Tad, does Tad have a group? I don't think so. Tad has a page. You got if you're listening right now, 
go like Tad's page. Yeah. He, he needs he needs some help. Wall Wall Comedy. I posted a meme so dank that I got banned <laughs> for 24 hours this week. So the comedy group is uh, just people sharing comedy bits and memes that they love. It's been my favorite one honestly so far. Yeah. The the Wall Comedy group because I you know I'll see something on NFL memes or whatever and I think certain people will appreciate it. Yep. There was a, a video I shared in there today that was uh, for the NCAA. Today's the first day of the NCAA actual the field of 64. Right. Uh, so there was an office space with uh, Bill Lumberg walking up and uh, he wanting something out of uh, oh Peter whatever what the hell's character happened? yeah yeah right he's there and he's like no I don't I have a meeting with Bob's later I can't possibly do what you want because he's watching the games <laughs> well don't so. spoil it go join the comedy group yeah, join it you'll see it there's a parenting group there's a singles group there's a racing group Jared and I love racing so we were talking about the the uh, IndyCar race this past Sunday so yeah go to you can do two ways to access it first you can go to Facebook, search WAL, and then click on the groups in the search, and, and you'll see all the groups there. Or you can go to the We Are Libertarians Facebook page. There's a tab that says groups. Click that, and they're all listed out right there. So join the group. We'd love to have you in the community. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love other fans to join these groups and take them over. It's not something that I want to centrally control. It's something that I want you guys to meet other We Are Libertarians fans around these interests just have a good time. Like the singles group isn't a meat market. It's a great place. If you need <laughs> dating advice, there's uh, a lot of dating advice that can go on. There's life advice. That's where I'm teaching my son Stone all about life and the life advice. Yeah, that's in the singles group. That's in the that's in the life advice group. So lots of cool stuff in there. Can I go in there and just post one thing? Go for it. Which is slide in those DMs. Yeah. Don't be shy. That's right. <laughs> Uh, go to a We Are Libertarians live event because that's where Brett Brett Bittner and his way out of his league girlfriend celebrated their one year anniversary two days ago. They met at a We Are Libertarians live. You two met at a We Are Libertarians. Well, they didn't meet there, but that's we were there the first together day. first time. Yeah, you two met each other there. So great, great. Uh, we Are Libertarians. A lot of romance comes out of We Are Libertarians, not only for Dear Leader, but also for <laughs> everyone else. And most of them work out okay. For everybody but Dear Leader, but I've had a lot of romance thanks to We Are Libertarians. Uh, so the other thing is we've got mobile apps. We have a mobile app in the Android store right now. Just search for We Are Libertarians. You can get the We Are Libertarians radio stream on a mobile app there. I just downloaded it. It's yeah. uh, it's like four megs. It's the yeah. tiniest app I've ever seen. I don't know how you engineered it so well. I did not engineer it. It is through radio.co, and so it's the We Are Libertarians radio stream, and then you can get links to uh, our stuff. So not a very robust app at this point, but I wanted to get us into the iOS and Android stores, start capturing people that search for Libertarian and have a presence there. And I'm also going to start streaming the shows via audio live to the radio stream, which you can get in TuneIn. You can get in Apple. Uh, you go to the iTunes platform, go to radio, go to talk. You can find the We Are Libertarians radio stream in there. Uh, you can also find it at WeAreLibertarians.com. And you can get it on the Android app, and then the iOS app will be out in the next week or two. And you can listen to a 24-7 stream of all the past shows of We Are Libertarians. And it's fun to just kind of click that on and listen to something that you probably haven't heard in a couple years mm -hmm. and just go, wow, this is still relevant. So very, very fun and entertaining. Uh, the iOS one will be out soon. Go back and learn about the looting in Ferguson. Yes. <laughs> so, And we're going to do live shows. So some of the stuff that I want to do with that podcasting show, I'm going to do live call-ins. We're going to start doing live call-ins on We Are Libertarians we occasionally. Can go, we can go crazy and link the two studios together. Yeah. We can do a live show from Boss Hog and from here. Yeah, and so you could... 
you can use it, do call-ins on the Boss Hog of Liberty show, and people can listen on the app. So That's awesome. That's that's what the Patreon subscriptions do. I was able to pay the $125 developer fees mm-hmm. to Apple and to Android because you guys donated $125 to your Patreon subscriptions. So you get something. You get When you give us money through your Patreon subscriptions... I give you more stuff. I'm generous. As, as the boss hog of liberty, I, I have no problem at all submitting a uh, a request into into Dear Leader and oh. seeing what comes back out of it. Hey, you, I need one of these. Oh, he's so You got all this Patreon money. He's so irritating. What, what do you not need Patreon anymore? Patreon money. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. I have backups. You buy your own. Right. He, I, was, I have no problem with your seconds. I don't I don't ever care, but I did like get a little annoyed the other day because he's like, I need you to figure out how to set up Skype calls on our board. So I did it. I said, here's how you do it. A mix and minus. Here's a <clears throat> here's a post from Ray Ortega of Podcasters Roundtable. You gave me the Jesse Riddle. You gave me a hey, go watch this video. Literally which is perfect. The most detailed video, detailed post, everything you're ever gonna need on setting up a Skype with a board that doesn't have a USB connection. And he goes, What equipment do I need? <laughs> Open the goddamn post. <laughs> like I'm not like I am successful at this because I had no one who was holding my hand. Uh, so I I I was I just was like I could respond with sarcasm. I'm just going to say, just go read the post. So it That's fine. fine. It worked. I got the list of what I needed. I, I, I knew I needed the Shure device. I just didn't know if I needed cables or not. Yes. So and I was I was trying to get, get a build list so I could tell my co-host, here's here's the target we've got. We need, yep. we need to raise 150 bucks or whatever it's going to be. Yep. All right. So another letter. This is from Al. Hi, Al. Now, Al has a Polish last name, and Al and I are Twitter buddies, and we talk on Twitter all the time. <clears throat> And uh, I said, I don't know how to pronounce your name, because I'm terrible at pronouncing names. If you listen to the Patreon shoutouts, I'm awful at it. Like, Al Tampson? Oh, this is Thompson, okay. Uh, So (laughs) Al came along, and it was M-R-O-C-Z-K-I-E-W-W-I-C-Z. I I was like, Al. Moreskovich. Al, what are you doing to me, bro? So he wrote in, uh, and he said, Mr. Spangle, good luck in the swamp. I didn't have good luck in the swamp. <laughs> Barely got to the swamp. <laughs> Barely got out, too. Glad you made it through the storm unscathed. Thank you, Al. Just finished episode 270. Good show, and I'm responding to your request in pronouncing my name. Okay, this can be difficult for many. While us up here, fourth or fifth generation Americans, use a halfway anglicization. Isn't I saying that right, teacher? Sure. Okay. Uh, it's not how they say it in the old country, in Poland. My family says... Moraskovich. That is not authentic. The CZ in Polish is a CH as in chew. The W is always the V. The O is a hard vowel here. The IE is a cross between a hard A and a yeah sound. So, and according to my fifth cousin from Warsaw, <laughs> it should be said Morakayevich. Okay, I think I did that right. Next, Mr. Price, Mr. Harry Price mentioned Pierogi Fest. It is a magical experience that takes place and the Whiting Annual... Whiting. Whiting area. Annually... Please get the Indiana Town's name right, dear leader. I got Warsaw. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he didn't mean that Warsaw, Indiana. Uh, Annually, on the last weekend of July, if you gentlemen would be willing to travel north, I would guarantee that you would have a memorable time. Do we... I I will actually be... If you go up there, dear leader, myself and Sarah will be in north... I will be at Dune State Park up by Whiting. Maybe we take with, a field with, trip with north. the 4-H junior leaders, but we might sneak away. You never know. All right, so Al <laughs> uh, Al Moraskovich, 
Thank you so much. I'm, I'm really uh, happy to have you as a $10 a month subscriber to the Patreon. Uh, so let's, let's talk about the walkouts. So, Sarah, you're a teacher. So we're all like no, super friends. I'm like, not su- a teacher. She used to be a teacher. We're all like super Former. friends. We have things we bring to the table. Right. Right, Cade, Cade is the uh, the the uh, the arms dealer, and he, of, or the arms <laughs> the arms knower. He knows guns. He also knows farming, which will come in handy with one of the uh, yep. questions later. Sarah knows schools, yep. and mm-hmm. I just know how to talk. Yeah, I you have know no how real to, skills. You know how to speak. I have no skills. Right. <laughs> and news for you, Sarah. Uh, so the this there was a the New York Times article characterized it as a movement led by students. Which couldn't be further from the truth. There was a movement led this week by the leaders of the Women's March. They were really the ones that got it kicked off there. And then groups like Every Town, which is Michael Bloomberg's anti-gun group, uh, and several other progressive groups organized these walkouts and used their muscle, their organizing, to get 2,000 schools to participate in a walkout where students, in support of gun control, walk out of school. Now, several conservative students tried to do the same thing in support of gun rights and were denied across the nation. Uh, And I think it has caused a lot of angst amongst a lot of young conservatives and libertarians and gun rights activists because Mm -hmm. they feel surrounded. uh, And I don't necessarily think that's the true at all. But... I remember being in high school, and I remember being passionate about everything. Everything was a big deal. Yes. And it, everything <laughs> happens to you for the first time, so everything's a big deal. And you listen to some of these gun rights, like a David Hogg or, or uh, the what's it, Ms. Gonzalez with the shaved head, and it's, it's just a lot of platitudes. Like, we're here to change the world today, and we're going to save America, and, and it's a lot of feel-good platitudes, but it doesn't seem like it's really going to move the needle in my opinion what do you guys think about the student walkouts from a policy perspective are they really effective no i i i mean it's going to be it's going to last a news cycle like everything else does uh the walkouts are probably good for the students to feel like they did something and to have some to feel like they have some influence and i know in some schools that you know darn everybody walked out and in in I think in a couple of other communities, maybe one or two students walked out. Um, I don't think that it's going to, to have a real lasting impact. Uh, the places where you saw something happen already, like Florida, which I think we'll probably get into, where they've passed their, you know, they've got some teachers that are armed now, but they've also taken away the right to own a gun for 18, 19, and 20-year-olds. Right. Um, you know, th- those are the kinds of things that may change because it's it's people trying to fix something in a hurry. Um, but I, I don't think this is a long-term solution. So according to womensmarch.com, uh, 3,100 walkouts and counting across the nation. Here are some of their partners. Uh, the Blue Future, the Brady Campaign to Prevent Gun Violence, Center for American Progress, Coalition to Stop Gun Violence, uh, Doctors for America, Gays Against Guns, The Giffords, Courage to Fight Gun Violence, The Harry Potter Alliance. <laughs> Sarah's uh, responsible for that one. Planned Parenthood, uh, Peace Over Violence, Organizing for Action, uh, which was Obama's group, uh, Newtown Action Alliance, New Voters. Um, let's see. Progress South Carolina, Progressive Change Committee, 
So yeah, obviously a lot of uh, liberal groups. It's the same people that line up that would have lined up anyway. They're just it's it's an opportunity for them to to assemble, which is fine. They I mean, I you know Rex Bell had a very good comment the other day. Uh, he basically said the same. You can protest the government if you want to, but at some point they're going to show up with guns and drag you back into that school. Right. You know, it, go ahead make make your point, but force is still going to drag you back in. Right. And, and force is the real issue. What do you think, Cade? Um, <clears throat> I think they're young. And they're wanting to stand up for something. They're wanting to make a change. And um, people make it a First Amendment thing. Um, if that's how they want to start their career as adults, uh, using their rights, I support that. But it comes down to they're using their First Amendment to attack their second. And for them to stand up for something, the first thing that they stand up for is giving away a right. Right. That just doesn't make any sense. Well, hopefully they use this to become politically active and sure. then they start to yeah. build an awareness of the world. You know, one of the one of the legislators, I think he's a state a state representative in Colorado, uh, was one of the kids that was in Columbine. Mm-hmm. And he's very, very much pro-gun. You know, he it, mm-hmm. it, it, it goes both ways. And as you continue to learn about the world and experience it for yourself, you develop your own ideas. And these, you know, these teenagers are going to do the same thing. Today right. they might be marching because they, you know, they were they, Tony Katz took calls on WIBC, the big, the big torch uh, station in Indianapolis, uh, and he took calls. And of course, he's a conservative, so most of the people he heard from, he right. asked for high school kids, "Are you walking out or not?" And one kid was going to wear his God guns and, and Trump T-shirt to school <laughs> and walk out. And Katz wanted to know if he was going to get, you know, if the kid got suspended, let him know. I don't have to heard anything else back, back about it. But, you know, the, the kid was going to walk out and he was going to protest on, you know, basically for his Second Amendment rights. Right. Yeah. So there's all these walkouts and demonstrations that are happening. And everybody, every individual has their own motivations. Um, you're not going to, you can't lump them all together and say that every one of these kids was protesting because they want to, you know, take guns away. It's it's just not the reality. Yeah, I think that if you're one of these students, you should take action by writing a letter to the school or local newspaper. Uh, I would, you know, post on your social media that you don't agree with the ideology, that you believe in the Second Amendment, that you believe that these are natural rights. Make a blog post and send it to Spangle. Yeah. He'll post it. Absolutely. <laughs> I'd love to talk to a high school student. You know, I, I talked in a great interview. I, I hope that you guys stuck around in episode 270 to listen to Matthew Geiger, I think it was 271 actually, Matthew Geiger runs 71 Republic. Now he's 16 and incredibly eloquent, well-spoken mm-hmm. kid. I don't know, did you guys hear the Matt Geiger yeah. interview? I listened to it when I was walking after I bought a bunch of stamps for the wedding stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Matt is... Oh, Sarah's getting married. Yeah, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> top, top of mind. Thanks. So Geiger had on 71 Republic an article that we actually published that there were three schools in Maryland that he was in contact with where students were not allowed to participate. And he he wrote an article opposing that, saying the school shouldn't, you know, shouldn't subvert our ability to speak out. We may not agree with the subject of the walkout, but the school should allow students to exercise their First Amendment right. And uh, to which I'm going to have to go off on our Facebook page on Libertarians after this. Don't let me forget, because Libertarians write that down, sir. They are. Excuse my language shitting the bed on the First Amendment. It's amazing. I've never seen anything like the failure of the commenters on the We Are Libertarians Facebook page to not support the First Amendment and free speech in general. It's it's unbelievable. But uh, I, I agree with Matt because, you know, I said, why why would you write an article supporting students that want to take away our rights? And he said, because I believe that 
while I disagree with them, they have the right to speak out in the school, a public entity, a taxpayer entity, does not have the right to silence them. Mm-hmm. Something I totally agree with. Supreme Court, unfortunately, does not always agree with that. But, you know, I think that needs to change. I think these kids have a right. Just as schools should allow students of the opposite or differing opinions should afford them the same ability to participate if they want. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, one of the things that I, I'm still pretty looped in because I have um, old coworkers that I still talk to quite a bit. Um, I was a teacher for about five years in the school corporation that I grew up in. And um, I got a copy of the letter. Well, I didn't get a copy, but I found a copy of the letter that they sent out to all the high school parents because of the walkout. Um, so they said, dear my high school families, um, the administrators have been meeting with student leaders regarding the national school walkout movement and their thoughts on keeping our, our school safe and united and supporting and respecting all members of our school family. We are extremely proud of our students who have asked the school staff about how they can be a part of the national conversation without disrupting the educational activities in our school. During these discussions, the student leaders proposed not disrupting quarter exams on March 14th, but still having an opportunity to express their rights to free speech and their support of students in Parkland, Florida. To minimize the impact on the education of our students while allowing them to express themselves in a positive manner, we will alter our school day on March 16th, which was today, um, by adding a study hall period. Wait. March 16th is tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. My bad. I, I wrote the date March 16th like four times today. Oops. I was wishing for Friday. <laughs> uh, during this time, leaders of several student organi- organizations will share positive and inspiring messages as part of our ongoing commitment um, to some kind of a thing that's it's Rachel's challenge. Um, two years ago, we joined this movement honoring Columbine victim Rachel Scott, which promotes safer and more connected schools by fostering an environment free from harassment, bullying, and violence. The pillars of Rachel's challenge are look for the best in others, dream big, choose positive influences, spread kindness, and start your own chain reaction. We believe that it is important for all of our families to know that our students will be able to take part in this March 16th student-led activity. Our student leaders have once again demonstrated their commitment to their peers and to our school by creating this thoughtful and compassionate activity to unite our school. We appreciate and applaud their efforts. If anyone has any questions, feel free to contact our office, and that's signed from their principal, which I thought was really cool that the students still have an opportunity to participate. If they don't agree, they just get a study hall that day. Mm-hmm. So it's something where, you know, they can still express themselves. Do I agree with them? No. Right. I would love to. Ha- I The right should not be infringed for my right to bear arms. Well, yeah. Anyways, so I think that was something that was really neat that the school did. They were proactive about it. They met with students about it. They were like, how can we, you know, meet you guys halfway without disrupting the activities that we need for your education? Yeah. It doesn't seem as alienating to the kids that might not support that. Exactly. You know, right. And I, like I think... That. Yeah, that's a good point. There's some peer pressure. You have to you have to walk out or else you're the one that's yeah. wrong. Right. Right. Well, and the other thing, like, there are other activities that are included in that. Um, so they talked about the Rachel's Challenge thing. I saw a picture this morning where they had several student groups were writing on... We have this big courtyard in that school that's just basically all glass. And then outside there's like some picnic tables. So during lunch, if it's nice outside, you could go eat outside. It's where the students used to smoke in the seventies. Right. It's not, a, not, not anymore. A <laughs> not a joke. Plainfield <laughs> had one too. Yeah. But it's the same. Yes. But anyways, so they wrote different like positive, nice messages on that. And I thought that was really neat. I saw a couple mm-hmm. other demonstrations where people had like different schools gave their kids 17 sticky notes 
and they had to go say 17 kind things, and that's one for each person who perished in that event. Yeah. So. And, and the walkout, basically what happened is students walked out for 17 minutes. Yeah. And most schools had a designated place. You know, in the 71 Republic article that I read, you know, these this group of high school students had two designated spots that they could go participate. But it wasn't outside, so one student felt that he was going to lead the charge, and students went outside, and the administration just did nothing with it. But mm-hmm. it's like... Like, just go to the designated area, whatever. But anyways, it's it's all of this is just so over the top and so virtual. You sound like you're advocating for a free speech zone over there. Go to the designated walkout area. Uh, listen, do what you want, but uh, like, I don't know. Like, I just find, like, as a 34-year-old man, my top... With glorious hair, by the way. Thank oh you. My you God. like it? It's, it's really starting to grow out. It's very dense and it's very thick. Trumpy. Yeah. So... Chumpy bear. My my tolerance for nonsense is diminishing rapidly, mm-hmm. and I just go listen. I just don't have time for the. I, I forget her, you know, Eliana Gonzalez, the the op ed that she wrote in the New York Times, where it's just like we're going to change the world, and your generation's fa- you failed, and we're going to save the world, and this is never going to happen again, and and anybody who disagrees with us is a bad person. I, I just like I don't have time for the over the top over emotional rhetoric because it's just everything that is wrong with politics today. You're making an emotional appeal. You're not actually making an argument. Mm-hmm. You know, at least the women's march will go over their arguments, the actual things that they want Congress to do. Right. And in in their leadership of this student led movement, they're at least outlining policy principles. Like just saying that you failed and you're all bad people if you don't agree with us. So get with get with what the students believe is just not very compelling to me. Like you, an emotional appeal and it, it, it's propaganda for your side. And it's I'm I'm sorry. Like we're we're now at a point where we just we don't want to argue with kids that we're in a tragedy, but you're just gonna have to because you're gonna yeah. put yourself out there and make yourself this. You're you're going to make yourself a target, and you're saying things that are stupid, and you need to be corrected. The part yeah. of this that's so frustrating is that the FBI knew they, there were so many yeah. warning signs that this. Rahm Emanuel said, "You never want to let a, a crisis opportunity go to waste." Right, and that's unfortunately what's happening here is it's another time to restart the conversation for gun control, mm-hmm. and, that's, and that's where we're at. Where in this case, gun control wasn't going to solve the problem; it never would. But in, right. particularly in this case. The warning signs are there. The FBI was notified, and they didn't follow through. Yeah, the uh, I was talking to someone, and they were, you know, there was a troubled student who got in trouble, and then was sent out to the hallway, and then the teachers were just going, "Yeah, well, I, he kind of deserved what he got in, from that bully because, you know, he's just a pain in the ass." And it's like that right there is the the beginnings of a school shooter. That right there is the problem. Like, go talk to somebody to help this child mm-hmm. who is troubled. But Instead sometimes of, there's not any resource. Like, right. That was something that I know I struggled with as a teacher was, you know, if somebody was showing some kind of sign and you can't get a hold of the parents or the parents don't care or even like some of the parents cared, but they're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. The, the resources just weren't there. And so that's something that I think a lot of teachers struggle with. And they're like, well, somebody will catch it next year. Right. When these things and happen. And they do what they can when they can. But yeah. Somebody will catch it further down the line. And when these things happen, these groups, like every town, everybody else for the gun control, they immediately flock to this. Right. Because they want to use it, like you said. They don't want to let any crisis go without capitalizing on it. And I think, you know, what what could happen if 
that didn't happen? What if it actually was an organic movement? What if these kids decided, hey, we want our schools to be secure and safe? I, I do think that out of this was sort of an organic movement. I do think yeah. like the David Hogs of the world, they're not crisis actors. Were they coached? Were speeches written for them? Yeah, I do think that. Yeah. I do think that they were very well polished. Doesn't mean they were crisis actors. I think no, there were no. people. D- David Hogue is a is the Chris Spengel of his school, though. He's, exactly. He's, exactly. Yeah. He he Explain was well that. prepared. He was the uh, led the journalism department or whatever. He's a student. You know, he's a student vlogger. He he had a video that went viral last year. Everybody said, "Well, you, this kid's in the same right place at the right time all the time." Mm-hmm. Well, no, he had an HD camera and he and he videotaped yeah. an, an incident with a beach uh, uh, lifeguard. And his buddy, and he was, you know, he basically had right. a video go viral and then got interviewed on the news. He's literally like their Chris Spangle. It's the same, you you know what you're looking for, and you document something. You took a flight to Washington, to, to, from Indianapolis, trying to get to Washington, D.C., landed in Philadelphia. You knew, you saw something that was interesting. You were in a very rough flight landing that was visually appealing. Mm-hmm. You stuck it on your Instagram, and the next thing you know, it's on ABC News. That right. doesn't just happen because you're whomever... You know what you're doing to get it get noticed, right? And that's that's who David Hogg is. And there's n- absolutely or David Hogue, whatever his name is. I yeah, uh, I helped found the the new media department at Plainfield High School. I I wrote out the plan in tenth grade for the video journalism mm-hmm. announcements t- because they just put TVs in every room in two thousand and I think two thousand. Did you guys get Channel One? Well, no. Me and my oh. friends started the announcements and started doing funny videos around the announcements, mm-hmm. and they developed a class around it. And like, I wrote out this whole plan for the librarian, and then she took it and implemented it, and then won like a state award for ingenuity. I was like, yeah, I never got, I never got a cut of that, Miss <laughs> Clark. But, yeah, there's a lot of money in that. Yeah, but, but, but <laughs> exactly right. Like, had something happened, so in in my high school, the senior prank was jumping into the pool, and. A bunch of students went and jumped into the pool. Us, being in the new media department, captured it all on video. Because we knew about it, so we got it on video. Then they suspended with, like, (laughs) seven-day suspensions, way overkill. We had a lifeguard, for God's sake, for our senior prank. But we contacted the local news and got footage and leaked the footage. Right. (laughs) And then they conducted a search of our computers. But that's exactly right. It's an example of a student who's there who is cognizant enough of how to get media attention i'm proud of him like yeah. you might disagree with him but i'm i'm thrilled he's there and i'm glad he's i i support the kid for that reason mm-hmm. it, whether or not you agree with the content or what he believes now and honestly what he believes now he may not believe five years from now right, right. give the kid a break then he could be the most powerful advocate for our side because he switched right yeah i would like like the uh i'm glad he's got the platform and Ro- everybody Ro- that versus, calls him roe yeah. versus wade lady yeah absolutely mm-hmm. Um, I heard her speak once. McCormick, is that really the name? I don't know. Mary McCormick or something. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm very happy for the kid, and it, I, anybody that calls him a crisis actor or whatever that is, uh, that's just, you make yourself sound ridiculously uncredible on the internet when you do mm-hmm. that. Well, nowadays, I feel like kids are more content creators in general because they always have a phone in their hand. They have some, They have a way to do that. When yeah. I was growing up, I had the little cassette thing with the microphone. 
that was as uh, content creative as I had. The like, talk as boy? I got. Did you have the talk boy? I don't know if that's Home what Alone? it was called. No, it was, I don't, maybe. Is it the Fisher Price one? Uh, I had a cassette a, player and it has a microphone on it. I think so. It wasn't like a microphone, but it like extended out and it was gray. Oh, man. This. No, mine was a little newer. Remember? Okay. Speaking yeah. of Home Alone, the, uh, <laughs> the Home Alone 2 where uh, Macaulay Culkin goes to New York City or whatever and he yeah. finds Donald Trump. Yeah. We've had all these memes this week because Tiller, Tillerson got fired or asked to leave or whatever. So there's the the... Two days ago, it was the meme of Trump ask, asking the little kid that was mowing the grass last year on the White House lawn, do you want to be Secretary of State? Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> this, this time it was uh, where they met in the big hotel, the the Waldorf Astoria or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's Trump asking Macaulay Colton, do you want to be Secretary of State? <laughs> so, uh, Cade, we'll rely on you for some of this, but this is these are the five policy points that... Remember, none of this is astroturfed. The The New York Times, the mainstream media is reporting this is all organic and student-led, which in a sense it actually, it absolutely is, mm-hmm. but it is also top-down organization from people like the Women's March, uh, C. Soros funding. So, number one, enact a resolution declaring gun violence a public health crisis. Okay, well... In my opinion, gun violence is not a public health crisis, especially since it's been declining rapidly over the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. And most of the gun violence that takes place in this nation are in places like St. Louis, Detroit, Chicago, Chicago, in these inner cities, which, by the way, Flint Town on Netflix. Great, great documentary. I'd love for you to watch it and write me and let me know what you think about it, because even though we are pro-criminal justice reform and libertarians are not anti-cop, but definitely anti-police brutality and pro-justice, when you watch that, you do see the inter- interesting quagmire that the Flint police found themselves in with 100 people, 100,000 100, people with 10 patrol cars. Yeah. You know, and I watched it this week. It, it wasn't it. It was just it was great. Yeah. It shows you what they have to deal with, the things they have to put up with. and Yeah. Like stuff that's out of their control, you know. Top twenty in crime in the United States in twenty fifteen. Yeah. And they had nine patrol cars at any given time. Please tell me how taking away guns is going to help protect us in yeah. a place like Flint, Michigan. Yeah. But really interesting documentary. Yeah. I what what else did you learn from it? Um Don't drink the water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're still having that that trouble. But they're trying to be proactive. The the local government, uh, they're all kind of falling over each other, trying to figure out what they're going to do still. And it's interesting to see the way the mayor kind of handles everything. And as they introduce police chiefs and, and new leaders into the community, and you, you they have to go back, and it shows that those people can't make it work either. Yeah. And it's just a huge quagmire of problem after problem. And it's so it, – the documentary makers wanted to make The Wire – of documentaries essentially yeah. so it it documents all the problems that the flint government has and they do start to succeed with lowering crime but it is through busting people on very low level offenses mm-hmm. pulling people over for anything and everything so it is yeah. stuff that libertarians go uh, i don't i don't like this but i think it is a really interesting insight and especially since it was happening during the Philando Castile stuff, the mm-hmm. uh, Dallas shootings where the cops were killed in that one shooting, and you see their reaction as police officers, yeah. their families' reaction. That was very interesting. Yeah, they'd, they'd show the video, and then the cops would offer their, you know, their comments on what was happening. Right. It was that was very interesting too. But most of the random gun violence that happens in this country mm-hmm. happens in those places where drugs are being dealt and are a high crime. I mean, the public health crisis is. 
A, the war on drugs, and and B, it is a mental health crisis amongst men who are committing suicide at at an alarming rate compared to women. I mean, those are and then domestic violence is third. Mm-hmm. I mean, it isn't the tool that is being used. It is yeah. the underlying causes of the violence. And we itself. conveniently don't look at the other side of things when we look at those numbers in the CDC study that people like to bring up. In the same study, it shows that from 500,000 to 3 million people a year can be saved by guns. Hmm. Whether that's individual use or law enforcement, um, when a gun is used for defense, most of the time, no one's injured at all. There's no report of it either. And there's no report. So these numbers are hard to pin down to be exactly perfect. Mm-hmm. But the CDC did come out with a solid number. Hmm. And that's a lot higher than what they're saying we're losing. What was that number again? 500,000 to 3 million a Jeez. year. Jeez. Are saved by guns. By having a weapon Legal present. guns, yes. Okay. And it may not even be where they had to fire their gun. It could be they just show yeah. their gun and the person goes away. I believe through the FBI, 90% of... Uh, defensive firearms related. Wait, wait, three mi- three million people in America a year. Yeah, so that's one in a hundred, right? I mean, if you're talking about a place like Flint, Michigan, uh, and the and you're surrounded by criminals, yeah. I mean, you have to think it's it's like I've never I don't have a gun. I've never been involved in any situation where a gun was present. Uh, but you know, if you're if you're Living at 30th and Keystone, I think you're uh, in a situation where the guns guns present a lot more than you realize. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, especially at libertarian events. There's one here right now, <laughs> right? No, but <laughs> mine's in my glove box. No, but I'm saying like an active situation, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. So, so yeah, I, it's it's not a public health crisis. Uh, ban assault weapons and high capacity magazines. Now they keep using the words weapons of war as well. Every weapon is a weapon of war, you morons. <laughs> like, and so assault weapons. What do you? How do you feel about that term? What do you think of that that term when you hear assault weapon? Um, I want to I want to try and say that there's a difference, but that just gets to a point where people don't want to listen. Right. It comes down to policy. How do you want to How do you want to make that happen? How do you want to ban a certain specific type of firearm? What other types of firearms are similar to that firearm that you're also going to want to ban Mm -hmm. how many different firearms altogether do you want to ban right you know we heard the the town hall after the parkland shooting and it was floated to the crowd that they wanted to just take all the guns and the whole place erupted absolutely and that's what it comes down to they just want to take all of them it's a word choice they're they're gun confiscation nuts i mean they're they're the best way to combat this though for me um, I have my own personal range at my house. Right. So when I run across people that say these things, I say, hey, look, I'm, you know, I'm a gun owner. I'm a reasonable person. Come out to my house and shoot with me. Right. Let me show you what's going on. Let me show you the difference between this. Let me show you what I don't own, what I've never owned, what I can't own legally right now without $15,000 and about a year worth of waiting time for it, the federal government <laughs> to give me the okay right. to own it. Yeah. But, it's really hard. And a high capacity magazine means what? Exactly. To me, 30 rounds is standard. Right. So. Uh, expand background checks to all gun sales. They say, you know, there's 5 million gun sales mm-hmm. that, that happen without registration and the gun, the gun show loop and all that. Sure. I mean, can you explain the background check process? So um, currently right now when you buy through a licensed dealer, um, you have to fill out a background check. And it goes through a national, uh, national database and... 
when you buy that, you fill out a 4473. They call in your information. If you have a, a violent record or a felony of any kind that would prevent you f- from owning that firearm, or if you've got any kind of recorded mental problem, you're not allowed to buy the gun. They'll flag mm-hmm. it, and if you're a problem, they'll call the police, and you'll be escorted off the property. At, do they, do they run that background check no matter when you buy or how you buy? If you buy through a, a dealer. Right. And those, those are not on the spot, right? They take some time. They're on the spot. Okay, so instantaneously they, yes. they run it. Yeah. So back when we had the Brady Bill, that was part of what they incorporated with the Brady Bill. But with the Brady Bill, there was also like a five-day wait. And when we did that, um, I think it was in 2004, after the assault weapons ban was up. Right. We came up with the, the NIC system. Okay. And that's what we use today. And now it's instantaneous. Yeah, now it's instant. So, and and back to uh, the private sales, which people like to call a gun show loophole. I don't, they like to use that word. I don't know why, but uh, private because, sale. Because a, government, uh, a transaction between you and I requires sure. government intervention. Exactly. Well, that's what they think. Yeah. It's, well, you know, private property. I'll, I'll tell you why, and, yeah. it's, and it'll make sense when I tell you, mm-hmm. because from a news packaging standpoint, mm-hmm. if you call it a gun show loophole, mm-hmm. What do you do? You go out to the gun show, to the Indiana 1500 Gun and Knife Show this weekend, and you get B-roll of the Gun and Knife Show. And the first time I walked into one, having never been around a gun in my life, I was like... Terrified. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was nothing but guns on tables and tables of guns and it's really intimidating to the person that doesn't know what they're Mm talking what they're doing or talking about or understand the ignorant so if you call the gun show loophole then it frees up the news stations to go out and film a gun show Mm -hmm. that's why it's propaganda yeah that's just like assault weapons or high capacity magazines or call it a public health crisis or you know we need to expand background checks yes the background checks that we have failed in this situation. Mm-hmm. The background check system failed in the Texas shooting. The Air Force didn't turn in the logs to the registry. The The background check system failed in the South Carolina church shooting. The mm-hmm. FBI admits fault in that. The FBI admits fault in this shooting in Florida. Like The background check system that we have now isn't working. So why are you guys arguing for solutions that don't work? Yeah. Like. Doing more of what you're saying is is insanity. It's it's not working. Yeah. And to insinuate that we don't care about the deaths of students is is outrageous to me. The the notion that well, if you are not agreeing with us, then you are just okay with with children being killed. In fact, you're you're probably morally complicit. That only furthers the divide, and it doesn't actually get any solutions passed. Like number four, I think most of us agree with number four, and I'm interested to hear what you guys think, but pass the federal gun violence restraining order law. And essentially, Trump referenced this in a stupid way. He completely perverted the way that the law is outlined, saying take the guns and then due process second. It's not how it works. Due process takes place throughout every step of the federal gun violence restraining order law, where if immediate friends and family or local law enforcement come to into a situation or if the family calls the the local police department they can go to a local judge intervene take a look at the situation and have guns taken away temporarily from that person which indiana our state already does that do do we okay i did not know that yeah there was a, a police officer that was killed within the last decade in indiana basically put that policy in place at the state level hmm so 
is it uh, as we've talked about in past episodes is it a situation where there could be abuse absolutely but that's why you make it temporary that was the cat jumping on the table hitting the microphone uh, she's been out of control lately. I don't know if she's off her ADD meds or what. But so is this the one that escaped last time I was here? Or was that the other? No, one? that was poor Muffin. Is she back to normal? Is she, okay? uh, she is. She's, she's fully fine. Normal. Yeah. Uh, so it was touch and go there for a minute. It was. It was pretty <laughs> scary. So so yeah, the gun violence restraining order basically it, the uh, red flag law. I think is what some people call it as well. Is something that conservatives, m- most libertarians. Uh, most conservatives and probably all liberals could and independents would go, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That seems like good policy. Yeah. What, what do you think about it? As long as it was objective and it accomplished what it, what it needed to accomplish, and then there was a fast lane um, to get your guns back. To get your guns back. If it's appropriate. Right. If it's appropriate. Right. But you look at this particular situa- situation in Parkland, I think everybody, like, everybody would have gone, yeah, we need to take this kid's guns. Sure. Like, mm-hmm. sure. He, he, he does not need to have a gun. Yes. Well, having the cops called to your house 30 times or 23 times or however many and He it called was, himself at once. Right. Yeah. I need he, help. Yeah. And the cry for help that he sent out, I feel like that's more than appropriate to come and take whatever he has, at least temporarily. You see how ineffective government is when it comes to that. And then, <laughs> and then everybody's solution is to just add more to it, add, give them more authority and more ability, and they can't. <clears throat> they they failed in this case. Giving them more power doesn't solve the problem. Right. Never does. Hey, come here. Mittens. <laughs> Mittens. Stop it. All right. She's chill now. Okay. I was I was talking to this super stay. this super important business client that I was trying to pitch and I was showing him my home studio. Uh it was within a podcasting situation where I was like trying to pitch my podcasting services. Pull up a video. Mittens jumps up right within the first like thirty seconds of me showing him. He's like, "Oh, there's a cat." I was like, yeah, "I don't have my own studio. It's a yet. home studio for now." Yeah. Uh, so number five, pass an act to demilitarize law enforcement. Okay. Now listen, I love Radley Balco's work. We have featured a speech by Radley Balco. It's in the feed called "The Rise of the Warrior Cop." He's absolutely right that weapons of war have no place within a police department. But as a matter of argument, it doesn't seem like a really smart solution to say (laughs) from the left's perspective. Even though I agree with this particular point, I'm going, why would you put that one in there? Because you just. Yeah, that's not the top of my list of priorities. It just opens it up to uh, someone like, like Ben Shapiro did saying. Well, okay, so you want to take the guns away from me and you want to take the guns away from the cops. You're just being irrational, which is not what they're saying. You know, I like I really like Ben Shapiro, but he has on on a, on a few issues he loves to just completely go off the rails. Like do not listen to him on foreign policy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But like gun rights, very smart, very intelligent, makes a lot of good points, but like demilitarizing law enforcement not one of those issues to listen to him on. He's just ill-informed. Uh but it seems like a complete it, it just it misses the mark in this particular uh context are they trying to curb like police violence police brutality uh, yes yes okay see i think the problem with that one is it's not the militarized police that are causing that issue right mm-hmm. in my opinion it's the police that probably shouldn't be patrol cops yeah not everybody should be a cop right it's not um, it's not what they're uh what they're carrying isn't the problem. It's yeah. a it's a hearts and minds issue it's again. A, it's, it's not the, it's not issue. the weapon you gave them. Yeah, it's it, a software issue. It's it's what they're it's the way that they're trained. It's the way that we have uh, training for our police today. 
I'm friends with a lot of cops, and there's not one of them that would say they wouldn't want more training. Right. Well, I think if you in that Flint documentary, you're you're looking at a hundred police officers for a major yeah. crime city. Yeah. And they're going. We really want to get out of our cars and talk to people. We really want to do p- community policing, where we walk around and get to know the people in the neighborhood and build relationships, because the community wants that. We want that. We want to have those discussions to find out where the problems are. But we don't have time to do that because we're going from call to call to call to call. We're going to have that discussion a, a on, on Boss yeah. Hog in a couple of weeks with uh, Commissioner Butch Baker. He was the Henry County Sheriff before mm-hmm. that. He was a beat cop in Newcastle, Indiana. Uh, and I can tell you from my kind of my pre-interview with him, my discussion, he talked about the time where they used to just walk the streets, and he was yeah. a beat cop walking the streets of Newcastle, Indiana. That does not happen. Anymore. Now they're in the in, in a small town like Newcastle. Now you're in a car going from call to call to call, and yep. you know what happens? Mm-hmm. You lose like, a personal touch. Yeah, you lose that personal touch. And in that in that Flint documentary, they're going. Uh, I would love to stay and talk to you, but we have hours of calls still. You know, and, and paperwork and paperwork on top <laughs> yeah. of that. Yeah. So understaffed and underpaid. Yeah. So, All right. So we've rejected your new policy. Is that what we decided as the table? It, uh, I, I'm okay with the students walking out. I encourage anyone. No, the five point plan. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're out. We crapped all over that. <laughs> Get out. Beat it. Couldn't pass Congress. Couldn't pass Spengel's desk, let alone Congress. No, the, the gun restraining order. I'm all, I'm all ears on that. Like, mm-hmm. let's figure that out. And that's where they go wrong is that they, they're so insulting in the language that they use that, that, that. Everybody on the other side, we all go, well, I'm offended and I'm pissed, so now I need to attack you back. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just, why don't you take a step back and back off and stop the manipulation and let's let's work on this together. Let's figure this out. Like I feel like that's where they're missing an opportunity and the amount of times that they continue to do this, they just further the chances that we're going to have to have another Trump administration. Some of you listeners may like that. Uh how like, many Trump administrations are you signing up for? Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. Trump versus Hillary, <laughs> but I don't know. It's uh, he's exhausting, but it, he he just but you further the identical identity politics uh, divide. So, uh, so I'm all for the students participating. I think it's good for students to get active and engaged and start learning about politics because. They may get involved in politics because of their feelings, but then they may start doing research and rationality may click in and they may go like one researcher at, uh, where was it? I think it was, she worked for one of the major polling firms. No, she worked for 538, I think it was. And she was like, I used to be a gun control advocate and then I saw the data and the data doesn't outline exactly what we were saying. It's it's actually on the other side that's the, the uh, John Lotts. L-O-T-T, John Lott, does incredible research on gun statistics, and she's like, he's right, we were wrong. And so I encourage everybody to get involved in politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love that our numbers have, have tripled, uh, quadrupled, since Election Day, because that means more people are trying to figure out what the hell's going on, and that's mm-hmm. good. Uh, so last thoughts on the, on the gun walkouts before we move on to the next letter. Glad they're expressing themselves, but, uh, you know... It's not going to be remembered, unfortunately. Right. This isn't a pivot. This isn't 1968. Yeah, yeah. I'm st- I'm stretching it by doing this topic tonight because it was two days ago. That's how fast the news cycle is moving now. It's sad. Yeah. Don't. I think the last two people that me as a gun owner right now, the last two people I want speaking on my rights are President Trump 
in the NRA. Really? Why the NRA? Honestly, um, they're doing a lot of stuff that I don't agree with and a lot of other gun owners don't agree with. Uh, the banning of the bump stocks, number one. Are you on the Gun Owners of America? Is that your, your group? Yeah. There's, there's a... Yeah, there's a there's a, of America. Yeah, the other... Yeah. The, the one that we can actually trust, not the big yeah. fundraising group. Yep. But uh, I think um, they're not representing all gun owners um, fairly. I think they could be doing a better job, both of them, for sure. But I would I would push back and say they were the ones in the room with Trump that backed him off of that. I mean, so, yeah, they, they did initially There's, say that they backed it, but then when it came push came to shove, they were the ones that had the meeting with Trump that changed his mind. There's been a lot of back and forth, for right. sure. A lot of trading stances, and I think Trump is looking at the NRA as they are all of gun owners, mm-hmm. and they're not. Right. And the NRA, um, they're just trying to give a dog a bone and get people to be quiet and stop coming after them. They're yeah. they're trying to do the same thing they did in Indiana, where they wanted a little immunization, a little inoculation mm-hmm. to, to go away. And they don't so have that, the best track record for defending our rights either. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So. so this is letters night, right? You got letters? Yeah, I got one more from listener Jake here. We got two more letters, actually. Uh, now, this doesn't involve anyone that was here. This is Chris and Creighton. We had an argument about uh, nukes, McNukes. Can you have own nuclear weapons? And uh, Jake wanted to clear something up on that show. It is illegal to own nuclear weapons as a civilian, Jake writes. However, it is not illegal to own nuclear materials in small quantities and low grades as long as it has been used for scientific experiments. What if my scientific experiment is building a nuclear weapon, <laughs> Jake? Uh, it, as long as it doesn't leave the country and has been told to government officials as to what its intended use is. So as yeah. long as you tell them you have your nuke, you can totally have your nuke. Right. And it is stored properly, and afterwards it is properly disposed of. I looked a lot of that up after watching an episode of Outrageous Acts of Science. I'm glad you clarified why you know this, Jake. <laughs> so thank you for writing, and we appreciate the clarification from that episode. I wonder how much time, how many times Jake is like vacationed to North Korea on their dime. <laughs> wonder how many lists Jake is on. He's like in their. Uh, he's on their. Uh, what was the, the Oppenheimer project? He's yeah. the North Korean Oppenheimer project. So here's the thing about Jake's letter. Uh, there is two types of audience. Okay, the first type of audience. I guess I shouldn't name any libertarian podcast in particular. I think um, you just listen listeners by name, host members. What category are they closest to? Because uh, J- everybody Jason, has somebody they identify. Jason with. Stapleton. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I love Jason. Uh, so I'm just picking on him. But uh, so you have these audiences where everything the host says is right. They just listen to the host, and when if it comes out of the host's mouth, they agree. Rush Limbaugh. Exactly. Always right. Right. Then there's then there's our audience, <laughs> which ev- I have to prove every single thing that ever comes out of my mouth. And and it does get frustrating because I uh, am constantly explaining. You're full of libertarians who doubt everything. That's everything, your audience. Everything. And I just want to like write on Facebook sometimes. You realize I spent hours of research before I went on the air and did a three-hour podcast on this. Half of them are pissed that you're celebrating daylight saving time right now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so then I write a two-paragraph status on Facebook. You spent less than 10 seconds thinking about your position and your response. And then you're going to have the gall to question me. Uh, and then I have to remember I'm trying to be more humble this year and uh, and uh, have a dialogue with that person as opposed to just being mean. Um, but it, 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 
in a way, I hate that because it is exhausting because you put a lot of work into researching. Like, I try not to say things that aren't true. But I also love letters like Jake's where they write in and say, hey, this is what you missed in this episode. There there are a few of these letters, we're not going to get to all of them tonight, where they're just kind of like, hey, I was listening to this and I want to add to this discussion. And I do appreciate mm-hmm. that. We we do like the fact checking. And I, and I say all the time, like, I am not. I am an authority in a way because I've done politics and media and podcasting, all this and and libertarian stuff for ten years and worked fifteen years in in politics. Like I know my stuff and my gut is right, but no person can tackle the complexity of American and world politics and and have a full time job and have a part time job and have you know <laughs> and and be right all the time. I work really hard at it, but. You should absolutely, if something you go, I don't know if that sounds right, go look it up. Because if I'm right and you've done the research yourself, then great. Yeah, tell me why I'm right. Yeah, because then you go, oh, he's right. And if I'm wrong, then you can tell me where I'm wrong, and then I can, I can, I can learn from that too. That's what a dialogue is. And so, so I, I am happy that I have built a community of skeptics who are critical thinkers who don't just say what we say on these microphones is gospel. Mm-hmm. I would much rather have that than the other type of audience. So uh, so thank you, Jake. Appreciate it. And do not be afraid to write in at editor at wearelibertarians.com. Love hearing from you guys. Same with messages. Again, if I don't respond right away, I, I, it's not you, it's me. I'm just, I get <laughs> I get hundreds of messages a day. He doesn't respond to me right away either. I don't. And I'm on the payroll. All right. At least so- I take stuff. So, yeah, you're on the take, that's for sure. So this is from Sarah, and Sarah is a newer member of our community, and I love interacting with Sarah on uh, the Facebook group that you can join at wearelibertarians.com, and she writes, hi. She she really did say that. She said hi. This is starting to sound like Casey Kasem letters. <laughs> and she writes. All right, and uh, so then Sparky, we had to put Sparky down. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Am I reading a death dedication? I'm reading a goddamn dog death dedication. <laughs> if you've never if you've never heard the Casey Kasem outtake where he's like, I'm doing a death dedication. It's it's so funny. Uh because Casey Kasem coming up next here, a hundred years old. A very fascinating radio guy, always happy, upbeat, and the then he's like Scooby Doo. Yeah. Hi, I'm a new listener to your podcast this year, and I am a conservative Republican fiscal libertarian. I've been trying to learn more about the Libertarian Party to see if I actually belong there versus the Republican Party. Yes, you do. Mm, Let's stop right there, Sarah. (laughs) So here's what I would say, because I'm growing less and less enthused with the Libertarian Party. Not so much the members, although some of them, but definitely the leadership. Just a couple in the leadership role that we're really... I don't know. Have you have you been a moderator on our Facebook page? Some of those libertarians are awful too. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but they're. Have you seen the documents that they're actually dues-paying members? No, no, I haven't. But libertarians, you, well, here's what you have to keep in mind: we have turned libertarians into an amorphous block of human beings, where one libertarian says something or does something, and then all libertarians think or do that thing. There's no, for a group of individualists, the complexity of libertarianism goes right out the window, and we just go, 
Well, I'm not going to join the Libertarian Party because there's one member out of the millions that danced without his clothes on the stage because he thought it would be funny. <laughs> I just turn it back around on the Republicans and hold them accountable for everything Donald Trump ever does. <laughs> right. Like, if, if, you are, if you were going, I don't think I can belong to that movement because of this one person, then you're being a collectivist. You are not using your brain. You're not, you're not actually engaging your mind in critical thinking and going... Maybe this one person thinks this thing, and that's not what everybody seems to think. <laughs> we don't do that with Democrats and Republicans, so why do you do it with Libertarians, big or small L? Stop it. And Libertarians, you're just as bad as everybody else with this. Like, the Facebook page, huh, why are Libertarians talking about the genocide in South Africa? Oh, I don't know, because it's something people should know about? I mean, it's just like, and I don't speak for all Libertarians. I speak for Chris Spangle. Okay, the leader of all libertarians. My, my, I thought you were the president, or is it the king of my, all libertarians? My, I'm dear leader, but I'm also <laughs> the president of all libertarians, uh, the protector of the realm. So, I, I speak for me, and there are a lot of people that listen to me, and I am influential over a lot of. Uh, I have a reach of tens of thousands of libertarians, but that doesn't mean those people agree with me. Okay, that doesn't mean that all libertarians believe what I believe. And I, I just get so tired of, like, this idea that libertarians are just a block of people. And we have to start giving people the freedom to be complex, free-thinking people. So I would say, Sarah, if you get involved in a local libertarian party and some of those people are not for you. Wow, you were noisy. Did you hear the I turned Sarah cracking. off. I turned Sarah off and it went quiet in here. Uh, because she was putting on her coat. Sorry, it's cold in here. <laughs> it's so, 52 degrees outside, and Spangle's running his air conditioner. It's 67 degrees, and I have the fan on, okay? You people act like it's David Letterman's studio in here. Harry wears zip-up hoodies and gloves when he's in here for effect, but it's 67. It's perfectly comfortable. I don't blame him. I'm dressed it's like cold. it's July. I'm in my Boss Hogger Liberty polo shirt. Right, you too. com. While the three of you and me, to an extent, are shrinking... Cade and, and Jeremiah are men of a certain carriage. I mean, it's not it's comfortable in here. I've gone from uh, morbidly obese level three down to a two. Thank you very much. Congratulations. <laughs> and another 20 pounds. I think I'll be down to a, only level one obese. What are you doing? What diet? The South Beach. Okay. Are you doing that too, Sarah? Yeah. Okay. What What are you doing? Because you've lost a ton of weight, Cade. Yeah, mine's more of a paleo. Okay. Like low carb type diet. Yeah. I have dropped 10 pounds in like the last month and a half just because I've been really shedding carbs mm -hmm. i guess still have them i'm not in ketosis or anything but it's amazing that when you decrease your calories increase your energy output through exercise and cut the carbs how fast you lose weight it's math it's math Cade's down over 100 pounds it's unreal yeah well, you can listen to a bitner cast for the full story it was 120 last night i know that was awesome the yeah. keto cast yeah did you shaved your beard and you look like a like yeah, a, a young I, babe. That was like I had to I had to do that to make the 120 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> had a big beard. It would have been 119. He's down to yeah. amputation <laughs> next. Uh, all right, so so yes, so here's what I would say, Sarah. Join the, your local Libertarian Party. See if you like your state and local party. If you like those people and you want to be around them, join that party. Ignore the national nonsense. Vote for their candidates or don't. And if you don't like the people in your local Libertarian Party or if there isn't one, you can start one mm -hmm. or you could not get involved at all. Uh, you can be like me where I'm I'm I would say I'm politically homeless. I'm definitely voting Libertarian most of the time. 
Uh, I'm on the state central committee for about the next month and a half, and then that will end my engagement with uh, direct action politics altogether. And it's not that I don't dislike the people in the local party. I love them. It's just that I don't have time, and that's kind of like it's past. It's in my past. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm moving on to starting a business, and it's just I don't have time for politics. Uh, but I like the people. I'm going to vote for their candidates. I'm going to still consider myself a big L libertarian. I'm going to maintain my membership in the national party. But I'm not going to not criticize the national party when they screw up, right. which seems to be pretty frequently. Now, that criticism of the national libertarian party, to some, they go, you've left the libertarian party. You can't say anything bad about the libertarian party. We're too small. Stop the infighting. No, because if you don't say... Arvin is a problem, then you can't fix the Arvin problem. Right. And I just get so tired of that mentality, too, where any criticism of any leadership or tactic or anything is infighting. I'm Everything's confident. infighting. I'm confident. If that's your only concern with the Libertarian Party right now, that in July that's going to be rectified. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't. If, if this party does not solve that problem, then I probably won't be renewing my national membership yeah. either. But I'm very confident that they're going to take care of it. If Arvin... If Arvin supporters make up the majority of the national convention, I'm I'm with you. I don't want I don't want anything to do with it. Like his tactics are totally wrong. Yep. It's not even his philosophy. It's th- just that his tactics are so blindingly stupid. Yes. That I can't support it. Yeah, they're they're cyanide pill to to the rest of the candidates. Yep. Well, and I think the biggest problem, which I know most of you guys that I've talked to about this agree, but it's just that he's. There's nothing wrong with having an opinion on something, but the way that you say it and the disrespect that he uses toward other human beings yes. is what ultimately just completely turns me off of him altogether, even though some of his points I agree with. Yeah. But there are other things that I'm just like, you're not going to get people to agree with you because of the way you say it. Right. Yeah. So so what I would say, Sarah, do I belong in the Libertarian Party or the Republican Party? Both. You don't have to choose. I vote Democrat, Libertarian, and Republican every cycle. Me too. When I was a Republican, I voted only Republicans, and it was a point of pride that I never voted for anyone but a Republican. And then I joined the Libertarian Party, and I started voting for multiple parties because I found that other people in other parties had different values that I identified with. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have to just be part of that team anymore. I could vote my principles. And that's one of the best parts about being a libertarian is freeing it up. Like, you look at this Pennsylvania election that just happened where the libertarian's getting scorched for losing the election because he got 0.3% and it was enough. It was, quote unquote, enough to swing the election to the Democrat. Because all of those libertarian votes would have definitely gone to the Republican. Exactly. The reality is that Democrats were incredibly excited about a candidate who was pro-coal in coal country. Pro gun. Who, who was pro gun? Who was personally pro life? Even mm-hmm. though he supported some abortion, I think he was a veteran. He was a veteran. He was he was likable and exciting, young, and the handsome. Republicans ran somebody that was nowhere near an acceptable. He candidate. spent like fifty million dollars. Now, on the other hand, the Republican was pro right to work in the middle of Union Country in Pennsylvania. He he was a terrible candidate. He was unlikable, and they. 20% of Republican voters stayed home. And it's the... You remember the West Wing? You watched the right, West Wing. Yeah. They talked about when there was a special election and Sam Seaborn was in the special election. Mm-hmm. You got the A-game. There were no other elections going on. Right. So the absolute best Republican-Democrat top-shelf strategists were working that race. Yep. It was... It's not the typical generic, 
yeah, it's like your fourth district Indiana Congress where it's an open right. seat and Todd Rakeet is not running again. Right. It got the absolute attention of every top politico. Yep. It, it doesn't. It's not as much of a. And a the, landslide, Republicans are in deep trouble as it's a specific election, and this is what happened this time. Yeah, the Democrats had a better candidate selection, and the Republicans had a terrible candidate selection, and so their people didn't show up. That's not the Libertarians' fault, and it's not the fault of the people that voted their conscience. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get a response, but I, I politely said to Libertarian Laura, Liberty Laura, I don't know, she's she's very popular with our Facebook crowd, and, and I follow her on Instagram, and she she, a libertarian, was mocking the libertarian voters, saying this is why people don't like the libertarian party. And I'm just like, why are you, a libertarian, shitting on fellow libertarians who voted their principles when the reality of why this guy lost is not because of those people who were principled voters? It was because the Republicans sucked. They spent $10 million on a guy, a record number for that district, and and still lost. Versus a candidate who I think he had fifty million, or I heard some crazy number, but I, I haven't fact checked that. But like, there's other structural reasons that a candidate loses as opposed to the simplistic, ri- ridiculous argument that it's the wasted vote. Uh, mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. It's not why he lost. Okay, so I, I just get so I get so irritated by that kind of stuff. I, so if you are a libertarian pr- in principle, you're going to like Rand Paul. You're going to like Justin Amash. You're going to like Thomas Massey, but you're also going to like people that run for Senate in your local ha- in your local area. You're going to like local candidates that are Republicans or Libertarians or Democrats, mm-hmm. and it is okay to vote for the people that best reflect your values, because a vote is an extension of your values. Don't bait vote on parties. Don't vote vote on tribal tendencies. Vote on what you believe is best for the country. And encourage all of your friends, regardless of party, to do the same. So so that's what I would say, it, where you belong. You belong in the libertarian movement, but that may be in the libertarian party or it may not. So she writes, Sarah, uh, her name's Sarah, not you, Sarah. I know. I said um, that earlier. I was like, I didn't write any letters. What are you talking about? Oh, wait, that's not me. Uh, and I don't read last names unless you want me to read your last name, so you can specify that. I want to know the libertarian stance on agriculture grants from the government. I generally agree that the corporate welfare system is stealing from taxpayers to subsidize big business. But I struggle when it comes to my family's small dairy farm and the recent grant we received to build a new manure pit. Let me explain. Dairy prices, like other agriculture products, are priced by the government. We can't set our own prices. We don't have a true free market to truly evaluate the market fairly. I married into this farm family who votes Republican, but I can't get past this huge grant we just received from the government. We essentially have stolen from our fellow taxpayers to build new infrastructure on our small farm, 100 cows is small in Minnesota. I see myself justifying it, though, since we have probably lost out in potential income from both taxation on the farmland and operating in a heavily regulated non-free market. Help me understand the libertarian stance on agriculture in general and possibly the dairy market if any of the candidates you have on have any experience with that. And I also got another person who asked about a libertarian stance on CAFOs, which we'll talk about that next. But um, we happen to have a dairy farmer here. No, <laughs> no, you're not a dairy. You're not a real farmer. <laughs> not a real farmer. Oh. No, I am a real farmer. Uh, we farm beef. So oh. it's a little different than the dairy industry. Okay. 
Uh, we've got we've got beef, and then we've got uh, five thousand acres of row crop, and then uh, roadside produce. So, what was that video of you milking that cow then? Well, even beef cows <laughs> have to produce milk because they're mammals and they have babies yeah. that we're, need. We're to drink in the middle it. of calving season right now. So oh, I've got, so I've got sixty four cows that are calving right now. Your cat, if it had kittens, would still produce milk for its offspring. It's just not a commercial application. Yeah. Okay, well, I produce milk, so I'm going to need you to stick around after the show. <laughs> but okay, so you, Sarah walked out on that one. But you, you, you basically, uh, you're more of a dairy farmer than I am. So, sure. so I wanted to ask this question because you're probably the closest person in our circle that's going to be able to to answer her question. Uh, so I'm just going to let you run with it because she she's conflicted about receiving a government grant. But she knows there's no free market solution. So at the at the highest level, before before Cade jumps in, Cade's been a, an actual libertarian for about three weeks. He joined he joined yeah. the party. Uh, Ron Paul was the uh, was a representative from Texas, and he was never ashamed of uh, of taking grants back home for his district because it was money that they had paid in. Right. Um, so unfortunately, w- you have to exist in this system. If you're going to be a dairy farmer, you can't just simply decide. Well, I'm going to be an independent dairy farmer, and I'm going to sell my milk wherever I want to sell my milk because you're going to go to jail for selling raw milk. Right. Uh, so you have that problem to start with. Mm-hmm. Uh, agriculture has unfortunately been tied to the government. Kate and I were talking about this a little bit on our drive over here today, um, where the federal government is tied in with agriculture at all kinds of levels, whether it's crop insurance, whether it's subs- indirect subsidies, whether it's USDA regulations. You're you're not really going to find a way to be a totally independent farmer. You can't you can't get outside of that circle in this country. Right. You might be able to somewhere else. So I'll, I'll preface it with that and let Cade Cade jump off. Um. So with the subsidies paid to farms, and, and I guess a libertarian stance on that. You know, in most areas, farms are one of the, one of the biggest taxpayers. So in our county, and um, some of the biggest, and altogether, farmers in the county pay the most in the taxes so we pay in the state of indiana uh where cade farms uh a normal house is we have tax caps that are graduated right Mm -hmm. so one percent of the value of your house uh if you're a homeowner is taxable so if you live in a hundred thousand dollar house thousand dollars a year in taxes if you live in an apartment like uh, dear leader does it's two percent so it's two thousand dollars a year in taxes for a hundred thousand dollar facility if you're a farmer and you have $100,000 worth of ground, you're paying $3,000. And property includes your combines and and all the equipment too, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, but we're just talking about land here, but it's your land, you're in, yeah. yeah, but you're also paying property taxes on on your structures. Yes. Yeah. So, you've got a massive outlay before we were talking just in round numbers, if you had I don't know, 1,000 acres at 3 and you're paying and you value it at 5,000 bucks an acre or whatever, mm-hmm. you've got a you've got a massive We're property basically tax bill. we're taxed at every corner. So, and sometimes even double taxed, and in my opinion, the inheritance tax is also a double taxation. Um, but when it comes down to it, um, my farm, uh, I know there's been years that we've paid half a million dollars in taxes. Jeez. Yeah. So it, You even make a half a million dollars? Like, no. Personally, no. I mean, yeah. I, the way I like to explain this part is farms handle a lot of money. Mm. Most, most you know, good-sized family farms handle a lot of money. What comes down to it, we don't make that much. Not, we're not really much more than a four or five year degree from somewhere. Right. So from the outside looking in, I can see it. I can see people looking at a farm and say, oh, look how much they have. Look how, look how much land they own. Look you, how see, much. you see on paper that you have a 70-acre plot that's worth $600,000 yeah. or whatever it is, and they yeah. think, oh, my God, Cade's worth 
forty million dollars or whatever yeah. the number is. But you have you look at the margins of the that's capital employed. If you look at it like you're in business school, mm-hmm. you you have to employ that much capital. Plus you've got every year your input cost just for the grain operation. Yeah, you've got the cost of the ground that you're on. Either mm-hmm. you're paying to rent the ground or you own it, mm-hmm. so you're paying property taxes on that. You have the input costs of your seed, mm-hmm. your soil prep. So you've got nitrogen, fertilizer, fertilizer. Fuel. You've got fuel to actually apply. You've got if for a single field so we're say we're doing corn how many times do you have to go through that field about seven times yeah. I, mean, I mean what that would in be my year. guess yeah, yeah in a year it, to produce yeah between drilling your two to three yeah. applications yeah. of product and then you come back through and harvest and then you may till it back under yep so six to seven times so you've got fuel for every one of those yeah. times plus your wages yep plus freight because we, you we, have to get to market yeah we employ three guys full-time at my mm. farm so so what kind of farming do you do? Um, the So I've got two brothers. My older brother, uh, he does the, the farm produce, so it's a roadside produce stand. Um, we have a 10-acre garden on uh, irrigated rows and uh, 25 or 20 acres of sweet corn a year. Okay. So that's something where you just pull on a highway, you'll see signs for produce, sweet corn, pumpkins, uh, fall decor. Um, any kind of fruits, vegetables, things like that. That's we we also have one of those, and that that connects us with the local a local market. And then I've got a younger brother, and uh, we farm. We finish about five hundred head of beef cattle a year, and on top of that, we've got sixty five cows. Uh, we get a cow calf operation that we raise um, calves off of ourselves. And then between that is me with the row crop part of the farm, and we farm corn, soybeans, uh, wheat. Uh, and then for the cattle, we also produce all of the feed, but, but what's pelletized. Mm. So, um, hay, grass, uh, silage, haylage, um, all the corn, everything that we use to finish out our cattle, um, besides the mineral supplements. Your wheat for straw. Yeah. You wheat, get yeah all of it. Yeah. We use the straw for the bedding. Uh, so when wow. he when so, he says a row crop, he it basically it's grain, any any sort grain of grain. Farm. So it's yeah. the, it's the fields. So I I I guess you just in my simplistic mind, not knowing anything about farming, and Jeremiah like 4-H leader, Purdue. <laughs> I mean, he knows more about farming than probably Cade does. Uh, that's why I brought this question up because it's so specialized. But I know nothing about farming. My my cousin owns a farm. We go down there for Thanksgiving, and so like I get to look at the tractors, and you know he grows soybeans and and corn for. Uh, for feed, basically, uh, but so on a on a farm like yours, you're you're not just a you know a cow farmer. It's not limited. Yeah. You you have to you have to know how to grow and and do more than one thing. Is that is that common? Yeah, the biggest thing uh, with farmers is market volatility. Um, I think this was mentioned in the letter. It's really hard to get a good ground on the market at any given time. Right. There's so many things that go into it, so many things that can change the price of corn from today to the next day. Okay. Um, and then you're looking at um, futures for those, uh, when you want to sell, how much are you going to produce this year. And then there's also uncertainties as far as weather. Um, you could put a crop out and lose it to a, to a good rainstorm. I've mm. been picking on Cade. Last yeah. year was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely terrible for, for rain and replanting. I replanted a few fields last year three times. And mm. uh, so. I... I my bachelor party is going to be in early June, and I told Kate, I said, if he, as long as you're not doing the third replant, you can come. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so so there's a ton of work that goes into this that mm-hmm. I, I didn't even realize. Insurance, we insure every acre that we grow. Okay. So. More costs, by the way. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's another input cost that you have to have. Do you? Yeah. So what is, what's your take on the Monsanto thing? 
do you have to use Monsanto or Pioneer or one of these big you companies? You don't absolutely don't have to. It's free choice. Um, I can use whatever I want. I can grow whatever I want. Um, if I go to a company like Monsanto, they, um, they do offer some products um, that work great. Um, I think largely they're very demonized uh, for a lot of the things that they do. Sometimes, maybe that's rightly so. Um, Just checking for wires or <laughs> puppet strings or something. Yeah. Sometimes I think that's rightly so, but I think we should question everybody when it comes to this, especially you know people questioning where the food comes from. Um, I like seeing people question that. I want them to know where the food comes from. As a farmer myself, I try and bridge that gap um, with our local produce, and then we sell. We also sell our beef locally as well. I appreciate you bringing the cow with you tonight, so. uh, but it's going to have to take him outside now. All right, he so. just dropped a load in the bathroom. <laughs> So something we talked about as well, Kate, on our on our drive over in our pre show, our prep show. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what is a factory farm to you? Because people say you know we've got the corporate farms, or you know the, yeah. we don't have the American farmer. Like Kate, the Cogers are very, you know, they're they're very well known in our community because they have a public facing farm operation right. with the, with the L and K produce stand. What's a factory farm? In in my opinion, a factory farm is a farm where an animal is born and raised. It's fed out, it's slaughtered, it's processed, it's packaged, and it's shipped from the same facility Okay, as a final product. To me, that is a factory farm. Okay. Um, when you see the, the large farms uh, now, the uh, hog finishing barns, large dairies, uh, large beef farms out west, um, things like that, where there's a lot of animals, whether it's in a confined feeding operation or something like that, in my opinion, that is not a factory farm. Factory farm is just a word uh, some people use to kind of trigger people's emotions. They see the the videos, the ads, um, anything where people think there's animal cruelty, they say factory farm. Um, They use terms like that to kind of turn people off of modern agriculture. And... uh, there's feedback because Cade talks so softly that I've had to turn his mic up. Yeah. So just talk talk louder because his okay. head because when he turns his head, there's feedback in the mic. That's why you kind of <laughs> hear that 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 little. But whistle. it comes down to farming just being a lot of it is marketing, right? And these are marketing schemes. Um, farming is not just uh, the farming that I do. Farming is also. Um, organic style farming. It's starting uh, to feel like Cade is testifying before Congress. He's like no. looking at Spangle. He and is. He's, yeah. He's, he's, he's like. But it's oh, it's been I, sworn I, in. I'm interested because it's not a, a, a you know like this, I've watched Food Inc. I've watched Joel sure. Salatan videos. Mm-hmm. I I I buy the pasture raised eggs. Mm-hmm. I mean I can see the difference in a pasture raised egg that I get at Fresh Time versus the 99 cent egg you get at Meyer. Can you really? You can. Oh, you can taste a difference and you can see a difference. The yolk is so much more yellow. Bright yellow in one. I mean in just puny versus goldenrod and it tastes better and you it, it is it's a it's a better product okay so uh, what are you you still eating gmos over there with your mediterranean diet <laughs> he gets the aldi eggs oh that is that is trash they're there's german no, eggs no <laughs> they're not german german eggs. they're from around they're here g- very happy german chickens i'm gonna send with you <laughs> off of the happy farms i know i'm gonna send him a soft boiled egg that i've got in the fridge mm-hmm. right now in fact, you can go get it a and peel soft it. Boil? So- I like a, I like a little You're gonna soft. You're going to send my future wife to the kitchen to go make food? No, just peel an egg for him so he can see the yolk, see how delicious it is. I'm going to tell you this right now because I have to cook something tomorrow for mm-hmm. work, but I almost considered like texting you ahead of time being like, can I boil water on your stove? <laughs> <laughs> <Double eggs?" laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got some hard boiled in there. But yeah, like 
you see the Joel Salatan discussions. If you don't know who that is, I, I really enjoy it. But like, what is your opinion of things like Food Inc. and some of these documentaries that you see that essentially demonize farmers, the factory farmers, more than local I mean, farmers? If you're, it, like he I rejects said, your. Uh, I kind of reject it. I, it comes back to marketing. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna make something worth more in a market, you're gonna demonize one side and you're gonna promote the other. When you do that, you make it a good food versus bad food argument, and that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, you found a product that you think is it tastes better. Um, you'll pay a little more for it because you think it tastes better or you think it's a better product, and it very well could be. Mm-hmm. It could just be coming fresher from wherever it comes from, wherever you buy it versus you know what you've been using to compare against it. Um, but again, you can you can also come to my farm and you can buy beef off of me buy a steak and then go down to wherever you buy your steaks, buy a grass fed steak and tell me what you're going to pay more for and tell me which one tastes better. Sure. Well, yours is going to taste better because it's grass fed. It's got more fat. Mine's not. It, it is. I thought you, or you said mine's grass fed and grain, grain, grain finished. finished. That's right. That's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I th- you go to, you go to Meyer. I go to Meyer a lot. Yeah. I enjoy the Meyer. It's in the one mile radius of here. Uh, right. I sure. I like the Meyer and the Fresh Time, sure. but I just discovered a butcher shop right okay. behind, right back here. Don's Butcher Shop in Southport, if you're local. And I went in there before I got sushi last Friday, and the meat was just flaming red, gorgeous, beautiful. You can see it's just fresher. It looks good. Mm-hmm. The, the guy's a lifelong butcher who knows what he's talking about. And then I was at Meyer the next day, and I'm just like, it's kind of brown. It's kind of gross looking like you can t- you can when you look at protein products you can tell what's good or not it's yeah. traveled a little bit it that's it, a big difference right it's oxidized more i would much i don't care if you're not an organic farmer like i'd rather buy beef from you because i know where that food's coming from mm-hmm. i know you take i know you take care of your product mm-hmm. yeah versus i don't know where this thing came from and that's why i like being a farmer because i know i take good care of my animals you right. know i'm not what they show on tv on food inc that i'm so, not right farmers have all the incentive in the world to take care of their animals sure yeah. they want absolutely the the most well taken care of and happy animals because they're the ones that are going to take that grain and t- and convert it in the fastest amount of time from from your grain input to your finished product sure and the faster and the healthier they are and mm-hmm. the happier they are, the better profit he's going to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have abs. Then it's a market thing. Everything, libertarianism is always about markets. The market tells you that you want to get to market as quickly as you can mm-hmm. and as effectively as you can. And you do that with an, a, a healthy, a health, animal. healthy, healthy, happy, animal. happy animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I typically buy organic just because I assume, and I, I don't know if it's a safe assumption, but I assume that, like, Seven out of ten times I buy a product that's like an organic product at a fresh time, it's going to be a little higher quality and last a little longer and taste a little better versus mm-hmm. the Walmart product that you buy where three out of ten you may have have a better product. You know, But if I lived in an area where I could go buy beef off of you, I, I'd absolutely do it. I mean, mm-hmm. how, how can people – if I live in a city like Indianapolis and I'm, I have no connection to farmers whatsoever, how do I find somebody like AU – to buy meat, eggs. It's definitely becoming more and more of a trend of guys like me kind of branching out our own, cutting out the middle guy, and then starting selling our own our own products directly. If, to the if you can't find somebody like Cade, where you have a local producer that has a roadside stand, you can go directly to a butcher, like or not to, yeah. not to a butcher, but to a locker, like yeah. you know, a, a, a kill house. Um, 
I, know. I don't know if you've seen my freezer, but I don't have room for 800 pounds You don't of have meat. to buy the whole side of cow or whole quarter of a cow. You can go up and just buy four cuts. And yeah. some places will let you buy the half a cow or quarter of a cow, whatever you get, and they'll let you store it there for a fee. Oh, cool. So that's what one of the butchers that's in my hometown, that's what they do. And so I know several people who <coughs> bought, you know, a half a cow for the year. And they'll go pick up, you know, once a month, they'll go pick up a few cuts to take home because they don't have the freezer space. Cool. Yep. You've got options. Oh, yeah. So let's let's talk about this CAFO thing a little bit. That was the next uh, part of the question. We didn't really right? answer the, the dairy part. Oh. Uh, so grants. Um, and this is more of a universal question. It's not just about agriculture. I, I talk to people all the time that message me and say, I'm a libertarian, but can I still be a libertarian because I accept X? You know, I, I have 125 library books checked out over there. I do that because I pay for the library. I'm going to go use it. I'm going to use it to feed my libertarian podcast to take them down. I mean, pe- and there are people who are like, I don't want to go to the library because it's it's a government-run institution. I should I should do this X, Y, and Z in this way. I know people who are on food stamps, and they go, I don't think that I should be allowed to do this and still be a libertarian. I feel conflicted about this. Or I work in an industry as as a teacher. You know, and I think grants for farming and, and some of this stuff, it's the same principle. It's and I know that this isn't the most pure stance, but it's it's practical. The people that listen to this podcast and like our Facebook page, like if you go in the back end and look at the peop- the analytics of the people that like our page, the number one group of people that like the We Are Libertarians Facebook page are soldiers. Next is accountants. Teachers are up there. Government employees are in the top five. And it's because the people that interact with the government on a daily basis and depend on it for their living go, something's not right here, and I don't want to do this. I don't like the system. What's a better way? The reality is that we are uh, 250 years into a system that, while better than most, is still imperfect and is growing more and more economically imperfect and away from the capitalistic principles that made America great. So uh, there's going to be these conflicts because if you hold to a pure libertarian philosophy or even let's just say you're a dirty, filthy minarchist like myself who who says the Constitution as written in this modern day and age is radical and libertarian and that's as good as we can get. We need to monopolize the force at this low level. I need to be a minarchist. I know that's blasphemy to some of you anarcho-capitalists, but it it is, it's, we're so far from that, and we're in a system where in our lifetime we're not going to see radical changes back to it, to some of these things. You fight for the things that you believe in, you advocate to move us to a better system, you engage in the system that you're in and point out the things that don't work, but you still have to live you still have to participate in some things. Uh, and, 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 I mean, if you're as wildly pra- wildly pure as Roger Paxton of the Lava Flow and you moved to New Hampshire and you're off the grid and you're only using Dashcoin to buy your, your groceries, more power to you. But that's not realistic for most people. Most people still have to make a living like Sarah does with the with the block grants for her farm. Yeah, I don't know the specifics. And I've, the dairy industry in the last month has become very, at least in the ag community, it's been very apparent. Uh, they're, they're, they're in a massive struggle. Milk prices at the grocery store are very low for you, which is great, I suppose. Right. It's a lot like when we killed half the beef cattle herds and, and beef prices went through the floor for a minute because we couldn't afford to. We had droughts and we got, we got rid of a bunch of cows and the mm-hmm. beef prices went back up. Right now, um, 
dairy, there's an oversupply of milk. So hmm. the milk prices have gone down, and you you end up in a contract as a as a dairy supplier. You sell to Deans or whomever, whichever you know, Walmart or some sort of a milk buyer. So you have right. a contract where all the milk from your farm goes to a certain place. Mm-hmm. Your cows are in season for ten months or a year, so they're going to milk. And we have prices that go up and down. You know, or, or right. supply and demand goes up and down. Well, they're going to produce the same amount of milk every day. At this point, dairy production, we have a lot. We have a milk surplus, so pricing pricing has gone down to the point where now these milk purchasing companies are canceling contracts on on uh, on producers. Hmm. So they and now all of a sudden you don't have a market for your milk. So if you were selling for you know your milk for a dollar a gallon, all of a sudden you've got nowhere to go with it at all. It's right. just you've got and then you you have a crisis or a disaster. It's a really rough time and then you know people are saying well you need to what's happened is i guess walmart is opening up or is in the process of, of vertically integrating where they're producing they're cutting out the middleman so they are entering into contracts with dairy producers who they they will go directly to the farmer the milk will come to walmart and they'll produce it uh which is going to put additional supply online which is going to create more problems for the people that already have contracts with other folks mm-hmm. right but the worst thing in the world to do is to cancel your is to not go buy milk or to boycott walmart milk yeah. because those are still family farmers mm-hmm. it's yeah, just it's still, simply they're still struggling the, the problem so. is is that there just is the, the people aren't drinking enough or using enough dairy product right now well, the almond, I blame them. Yeah, blame blame the almond and the soy milk. I I Show I have a tit on an almond. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Honestly, I have had conversations with so many friends who just are not drinking dairy or milk or and I'm one of those people. I'm lactose intolerant. I can handle a little bit of dairy. I can have cheese. Uh, I can have a little bit of ice cream, a very small amount, but like I had a pizza 2 weeks ago that completely crippled me like for a day and a half because it was just so much dairy. And and like I think it's the keto lifestyle and some of the people moving into uh, I'm moving away from gluten and dairy and into more natural, you know, plant beef, plant-based, plant yeah. yeah, meat-based. I hear that a lot and I I think that that it does have I mean it obviously has an impact, but there's also I don't know that milk is it, milk is definitely not good for me. You dairy can, is definitely not good for me. For people that want to protest one certain one certain brand name that you see on your milk or whatever, jump on uh, it. There's a website. It's whereismymilkfrom.com, and there's literally a little code on your milk gallon. Where mm. You can see where it comes from. So I bought the Great Value milk and I plugged it into the website, and it doesn't say that it comes from Walmart. It came from Schneckel's Dairy in Huntington, Indiana. Right. It's still another local family operation. Even my fancy schmancy handsome brook eggs, my douchey six dollars a dozen eggs. Those are coming from a local farmer. They are. They're coming from, but they yeah. the handsome brook folks have set a standard and bought a contract with Fresh Time, and then the farmers supply handsome brook with the eggs and put it in their packaging. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, even your canned goods. Uh, there's a place in Lebanon that makes all the generic, great value canned goods and it's literally my dad's ex-girlfriend worked there it's literally the same green beans they put in the jolly green giants yeah. <laughs> and sometimes both of those are processed in the same facility where you'll have your del monte green beans and the or whatever they make they make all kinds of stuff and then you'll have the great value or whatever other generic and it's the exact same thing other than maybe like there might be just the way that they package it is a little different the to spi- save the extra 20 yeah. cents or whatever it is right maybe even yeah. a little 
recipe difference in, in terms of salt content, but it's not much different. I mean, that's why I'm all for buying most of your canned goods at Aldi's, because it's just super cheap and it's the same stuff. I wouldn't buy my meat from there, but so be it. You do we do. You do I've you. had some really good meat from there, and I've had some really not so great meat from there. It's just like a regular supermarket. Yeah. It's not like a regular supermarket. <laughs> it's uh, it's trash. All you have to do is take a quarter, and you're fine. Just every, coming, every episode is start coming to L and K Produce and buying my meat. I, I I'm I'm going to. I'm you mad you didn't bring me some. You can't beat my meat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so should she feel guilty for taking a grant from the government for her dairy farm? No, no. Why? She's paying taxes. It's 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 the Ron Paul answer. Yeah. You're you're paying in. You're getting your piece back. Yep. Is it a perfect system? No, but we exist in the system. My day job, I sell work to government contracts. Cade, Cade's on the take all the time because he's on the, he's sucking on the teat of the USDA. And Sarah used to work in a government school. It's the way it goes. Right. And Spangle drives on public roads to go to work. Yeah. We all do it. It's you're you're not you're not going to be a perfect anarchist. You've got to yeah. exist in the world you're in, and you're trying to be directional. So don't feel bad. You got to play the cards you're dealt. Take those small steps towards liberty, right? And uh, and do your best. And if you can become self sufficient, make a plan to become self sufficient and execute it. Mm-hmm. Set up your business in a way that you don't need grants. And if you figure out how to do that, Share come on it. come on the show <laughs> and let's tell people how to do it. I, I think that's. That's the best way you know, th- that you can do it. I mean, you have multiple product lines too. I know, I know, you can't take your dairy directly to the marketplace, but you heard Cade describe how they they are. You know, they they have about eight different row crop operations. They produce protein and they produce vegetables. Right. So they are as about as diversified as a family farm can get, yeah. and mm-hmm. that's the kind of direction you need to go Spreading to. Spreading risk around, yeah. so that you can deal with the peaks and valleys. So that when mm-hmm. the milk market goes to the floor, well, you're ready. What you know, you're ready on another front. Yep. Uh, so another listener wrote me on, and I don't have their name, but they asked about CAFOs, which I really kind of barely understand what a CAFO is, and that's only because I watch Food Inc. And I know that your mom is big on CAFOs and opposing CAFOs. No, I don't think so. Oh, maybe, maybe I'm maybe well, she's happy now. They just got high speed internet. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> there's a CAFO near them, and that they they were bringing a data line to them. So now my parents are going to have fiber optic internet to their home because there's a CAFO and two yet, miles down the road. I still can't get it in the middle of Indianapolis. My parents are the only house on their one mile stretch. Thanks to in that rural damn Rush County. Well, but doesn't the CAFO put explain what a CAFO is, and then explain to me why they're good or bad, and then uh, how to deal with the pollution of a CAFO because look pretty gross on the food ink. So a, a CAFO, Cade, you can t- stop me when I'm wrong. No, go ahead. Uh, a CAFO is a confined animal feeding operation. Uh, some people will call it a, a CFO, a confined animal, a, a CAFO, CFO, or a CAFO. They drop a letter because sometimes right. there's a, depending upon the number of animals you have, it becomes a confined animal feeding or confined feeding operation. Mm-hmm. I think it has to do with whether or not they have a manure pit or whatever, Okay, which is what you do with the refuse. Okay. So if you have... That many animals, you're obviously putting inputs in, you've got outputs coming out. Sure. So you've got to deal with a manure lagoon. So you literally have liquid waste that comes out, and then it gets turned into fertilizer. So that can produce an odor or a smell. Um, and then typically what happens is it gets hauled off or applied by the owner into their fields, and it gets incorporated in the ground. So it goes back in. Instead of having to buy fertilizer like Cade would, you can go ahead and use the fertilizer that comes out of those fields out of out of your out of your operation and then it's just another input back in your kfo shit pit exactly yep. 
uh, and they, you know, friends of ours, we got friends that are on Snapchat and farmers, farmers had a lot of time in their hands. So you get to see it, make some friends with farmers and watch their Snapchat. You get to see what they're doing all day. Cause I got nothing better to do. So Cade's friend, Nick was, uh, was, was churning his shit pit today. Huh. We've got a big, uh, a big old irrigator that, uh, that literally just turns over, turns over the liquid so that it, uh, so that it does whatever it does. The bacteria works properly. So essentially all the CAFO stuff. You know how it was leaking into local rivers and polluting the, the toxic waste from the cows and all this was polluting local rivers. I mean, is that like a scare tactic on the food ink part, or is that something that genuinely happens? So it can happen, uh, and it's a matter of farmers being responsible, choosing appropriate locations. Uh, you know, Kate and I had this discussion. There's a southeastern Indiana. There's a major reservoir. Brookville Reservoir mm-hmm. is the uh, Probably the second or third largest reservoir in the state of Indiana. Beautiful. Uh, great spot. Um, there is a proposed CAFO about a mile off of that, and it's not far from a stream that leads into the reservoir. So some of the local people are saying, hey, this is not a good idea to locate this there. Is it government's job to say this probably shouldn't be located there? No, probably not. Uh, it, it's Individuals probably should come together and say, hey, we really don't want to have this here. And as an industry, we probably should say we don't want to have that there because if they do have a spill – it's gonna it's gonna ruin it for everybody. It looks bad for everybody because yeah. if you if that operator has something go wrong with their lagoon, it gets into that stream and it gets into one of the biggest lakes in, in Indiana, and then we lose it for we lose the fish population, we lose the recreation, we've got a black eye. It looks bad. Yeah. So you, that's where you want some self policing. But as a rule, we we all like to eat, right? You mm-hmm. like to have you like a pork a pork burger. No, you I like, don't like some pork. bacon. I don't eat pork. I like you, bacon. Yeah, that's the only pork. You, you like chicken. Love chicken. Okay, so those all come from CAFOs, uh, and that's the way we give you chicken for two dollars a pound. Is because it, you know, you can choose to spend seven or eight dollars a pound as well, and get your pasture raised, whatever you have that choice. Mm-hmm. But if we're feeding the world on less and less acreage, we have to be smart about it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's where we do it. So if we choose locations properly, which in in our county where Cade's from, uh, there's a scoring system. So instead of having to come before a group of people. Every single time you want to build a structure, uh, we had a moratorium for like five or six years on, mm-hmm. on, on CAFOs in our community. Uh, now we have a system where it says, okay, you have to have this distance from people. You have to have uh, a manure pit this size. You're going to have this many animals. You have this much uh, acreage. It's, it, all these different factors work together. You come up with a score. And if you come up with a score of, say, 500 points, then you don't have to go get a permit. Or you don't have to come before the local board to get the blessing. You can just build it build it on your ground and you're good to go. Okay. If you're close, then, and you're close enough to be in the range, you have to talk to them. And they may or may not make you make some changes, put up some some dividers, or you know do some remedial efforts to make sure that you're okay to build it. Right. Um, that's possible, too. So it's it's really a matter of proper siting and, and being a good neighbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can... A CAFO operated the right way, you can barely notice that they're there. Uh, if somebody is absolutely just a turkey of a neighbor, yeah, how do how do you deal with a bad actor? Right, it, that's and that's the problem. Is it you know it's it's really up to people like Cade to go up to their friends that are operators and say, hey man, you're making us all look bad, and I want to yeah. open one of these up too. Yeah, so right. don't, it's we've got to do a good job policing our own. Yeah, sure. It, that that's the real key uh, because you can have a guy that leaves road as a mess. You know, mm-hmm. you, it, it happens all the time. And if you're harvesting, you know, sometimes you're going to have a muddy road, a muddy county road that you need to use. But if the same guy is out there hauling hauling manure and he's putting it on the road and it's getting into the streams, then it is a problem. Yeah. And what I find in a lot of situations, and you tell me if it's similar in farming. It's not that most people want to be bad actors. It's that they lack the resources or knowledge to be a good actor. 
And if the local community of peers step in and say, what's up, man? What do you need? Then they become good actors as opposed to finding them and using the local government to punish them into oblivion. They become even worse actors because then their resources that they need to fix the problems or to get more resources or to get more knowledge become absolutely it's unachievable at that point. I mean, is that a fair assessment or are there just some people who are just jerks? I think in everything, in any industry, um, any profession, anywhere, there's just going to be people that are jerks. You know, some people suck and that's the way, that's the way it is. But like I said, there's got to be enough good people around to police them. You don't have to answer for every libertarian kid doesn't have to answer for every farmer. (laughs) No, but I'm saying it's a general rule. I just find that most people don't want to be bad actors. There are jerks, but I I find just, and this comes from my study of human nature. Most people are jerks because they're dealing with something. Yeah. And if you can get through to why they're dealing with that and help them, then they stop being jerks or bad actors. Mm-hmm. And that goes for anything. Yeah, we have in a in the rural community that we we live in and the Boss Hog Studios are in and that we deal with every day. Um, we have this conflict that's going on between it's not really urban, but it's between the people that are from the county and understand what a rural agricultural lifestyle is, and the people that <laughs> the city folk, the city folk that bought a quarter of an acre, or half an acre along the frontage road. Mm. The main that and the farmer sold off a parcel or two. This is where they you know, forty or fifty or hundred years ago they made some mistakes and they sold. They tried to make a little bit of money and they sold the front side of the property. And now the now they all have an opinion and their idealistic, lovely countryside is being ruined by the farmer that's been there for five generations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we've had tonight in our our community we had a. a there's a big blow up on our local Facebook page. You know every every town's got a community group. Yeah. So ours is no different. Uh, there's a parcel of ground, like 160 acres, that's farm ground right now, uh, and it's it it basically is right on the south side of our community, so it's right on the edge of city limits. There's an industrial park nearby. There's a few houses, and it's farm ground right now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, an owner wants to have it redeveloped from residential. It's farm ground now, but it's zoned as residential. They want to go light industrial, so they can continue to bring in these big distribution centers, that right. sort of thing. Uh, well, the whole, you know, the, the community, the not in my backyard crowd comes along again. The same people that protest a, uh, a, a solar energy installation or God forbid a wind farm or a, uh, or a CAFO, yeah. uh, all of those capital improvements or investments that somebody wants to have, the same people want to protest this too. And it just, you, at some point the rural communities and it, people that want economic progress just want to bang their head on the table. Right. Um, very frustrating. All right, you're listening to Farmer Talk here on We Are Libertarians. <laughs> My name is Chris Spangle. I'm your host. Uh, so let's start wrapping up. Let's uh, wrap this up. This is very informative and helpful. Thank you very much. Uh, so final thoughts for the episode. If you want to plug your meat, then you can. Uh, if you want to uh, shamelessly self-promote, hey, uh, then you can. But final thoughts for the episode. Let's start with the lovely Sarah Potter. Well, This might the be the last time she's on the show as the lovely Sarah Potter, by the yeah. way. Maybe. Possibly. Could be. I'm, I'm hurting for hosts, so come on back. Hurting for hosts. Well, I'm not that far away. Um, no, I'm going to use my final thought to give a dear leader here his Christmas gift that I bought. Oh, thank you. Um, so there's just some bad news, though. Like, you've changed a little bit since I, I'm, I'm, Christmas yeah. time. Yeah, I'm so, trying to do my hair. I think if you look at the inst- my Instagram, which feel yeah. free to follow me. 
you'll see I've got a long hair. Like, it's like half a foot long. I mean, it's yeah. long, right? So, so the hair looks <laughs> so nice, and I've been putting gel in it for the first time in my adult life. And this one little part, I've had this little swooshy part here in the uh-huh. top right, and the front, the bangs, they love to come down like that. Yeah. So I have to put gel in it to, to fix it, or else it'd be in my eyes. But I'm I'm turning into quite a, quite a hippie. But I'm still wearing the flannel. Well, not right the, now. Wore you're, the flannel you're, today. You're in the royal blue. Yeah, but, uh, the Colts blue. Well, here's what we can do. You can just be more like Aaron, where you have some, Aaron Ewart, where you have some days where you style your hair. We need to thank Sarah for stepping in for Aaron, then, by the way. Yeah, we need to talk about you that. You can have other days where you're a hat guy. <gasps> oh, and it's rural king. Yes, you and <laughs> Aaron probably have store. the same hat. Yes. So, Merry Christmas. Thank you. Yes, I'm still a hat guy. I just haven't I haven't talked about it much because you know, you don't want to brag when you look so good in a hat. Exactly. <laughs> just don't forget to take the tag off. Put the, you need to take the take the headphones off and put it on right. <laughs> All right. Hold on here. It's a whole thing. But yeah, I uh as you know, I love the rural community. I uh my Ken comes from He looks just like a farmer. Yep. He, he does. does. Look, I'm a ba- I'm a baby farmer. Uh, I'm not a baby farmer. I don't uh, grow babies. He could be. He could be down there in Sulphur Springs at the diner right now. Yeah, I'd head down to Panama City and start farming babies. But yes, Merry Christmas! Thank you very much. Though it's you know March or you know other listeners who may hear this the next Christmas, they might be like, oh, catch it on the next one. Yes, very nice. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. I I I love Rural King. I've been I've been been? twice. Yeah, it's a great place. It is. you see, I'm surprisingly rural. Here's what you don't understand, Jeremiah. My family owns a farm in southern Indiana. I grew up hanging out down there and uh, driving tractors as a kid. And uh, I hung out in Martinsville in high school, went to the Rural King. Uh, they have everything at Rural King. I'm pretty sure that Rural King hat came from the Martinsville Rural King. Yes. Well, so. Why are you not sure? Where did this hat come from? Well, I've been to the Greenwood one now, so I don't. I don't and the Newcastle I, one. And the Newcastle she one. She gets to a lot. She gets around. To a I lot get of around King. to the Rural King. Wait, there's a Greenwood Rural King now. Yes, it's off of 31 and wherever you know where like the it's middle school and high school are. Where the old marsh it's is. Very close to that. Yeah. Yeah. Where the okay. Excellent. I'm gonna have to go check that but yes, out. Yes, I Free got popcorn. some. I got some local soap while I was there. You buy and I'm excited to use it here pretty soon. Well, you need to. Whew. You oh, buy your gosh. hydraulic oil over there. Your hydraulic fluid in the rural Kincaid. Oh, I don't. I get mine. No. I get mine through John Deere. Oh, of course you Ooh. do. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Sarah. Aaron Ewert, our our beloved Aaron Ewert, who you see that tape that says "Shut up," that I got that like a year and a half ago as a joke. Uh, for when Aaron came on because he never would shut up when he used to come on the on the program. And Aaron has not been here since then. Uh, so Aaron was going to come tonight. Uh, he still might. And he and the lovely Hannah, his his girlfriend, were going to come up and be on the program, but he flaked. He made up some excuse. Something about Greenfield? Maybe? Something about He had, to, he had a business. big sale he was going to close. Business, a right. big sale. Yeah. <laughs> so he was hanging out in a crawl space, is he, what you're saying. No, no, no. He, too, is a farmer. It's just a, a more lucrative type of operation. A more lucrative cash crop, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no, that's a joke. Just kidding. Just kidding. Before it ends up in court proceedings again. <laughs> 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 Cannot wait to tell that story on this pro- on this podcast. We have been, we've gone all the way to the courts. <laughs> uh, Cade, final thoughts for this episode. Um, just thanks for having me on. Uh, this is the first time I've been here. Um, if you guys, get you to the big time now, you're on the big wall. Yeah, yep. big time. I just I j- just now joined the Libertarian Party of Indiana, and I made it to wall. 
So yeah, that's the fast. That's the fast track. Well, we're uh, we're desperate and easy. <laughs> uh, if you want to, if you want to follow me uh, or my farm, I like to post about the farm. I'm also pretty big, like we talked earlier on on uh, guns and gun rights, things like that. You can follow him on Instagram at the Armed Farmer, um, or you can go to Facebook and find me on Facebook at Cade Coger. Um, and then if you would give me give uh, LNK Produce and LNK Beef a like on the Facebook too, and you can see how those parts of the farm work as well. I've got to say the produce we had it last summer and it was fantastic. Cade Coger with two K's. It's not C's. Yep. 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 K O G E R. Yes. Uh, any shameless self-promoting you'd like to do, Jeremiah? Oh, boy. Am I ever excited. <laughs> so, uh, BossHogLiberty.com, of course. We uh, we have put out 48 episodes. I saw we last uh, last episode we actually recorded was episode 47 with Blonde and Brunette. Yes, uh, it was check very that funny. One out. It was a good episode. Yep. They, uh, I'm very excited. They just released their... Uh, their St. Patrick's Day episode, which they had recorded, so there was a special ingredient on there that they had put in our drink that I get to watch the video now and figure out what they fed me because I still have no idea. <laughs> uh, so funny. I'm excited to see that. Uh, I get to go out to Washington, D.C. at the end of this month mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Purdue University and their ag school. Uh, while I'm doing that, I'm turn- taking their junket and turning it into a wall event <laughs> because that's the way we uh, we do. Uh, I'm going to get to go to uh, Rockville, Maryland, and uh, check out uh, beautiful Rockville, Maryland. I've never been to Maryland before. I'm excited. <laughs> Rockville's Bring not back where some crab. Rockville's not where you want to start. It's uh, it's uh, very average. Well, it's the uh, the home of ES- Washington D.C.'s ESPN. Yeah. So there's a guy named Steve Solomon up there who's running for uh, ca- uh, county council. One of 45 guys running for county council. Oh, and I'm wow. going to go interview him with uh, with Boss Hog Podcast. Uh, be on his podcast as well. A little shameless self cross promotion up mm-hmm. there. So I'm excited about that. Uh, so local Indiana podcasting meets local Washington DC sports. I'm everyone will be thrilled. <laughs> so what's the name of the podcast that you'll be on other than the Boss Hog of Liberty? Uh well he's a part of SB Nation AM. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what he calls his own. It's a premium podcast. You have mm-hmm. literally have to pay to subscribe to get Solly's podcast. Oh, man. But uh it's Steve Solomon from uh SB Nation AM and then uh, ESPN 980 in the afternoons with Steve Zabin on uh on their ESPN WTEM or something. Uh, so I'm excited about that. We've got a big series coming up on Boss Hog over the next month. Uh, we just finished up with our uh, interview with Scott Fleener that went up live this week. U.S. Army veteran, uh, 21-, 22-year-old kid, uh, got medically injured and discharged in uh, from the Army. He was in South Korea, but uh, he was over there up until January of this year. Uh, so really it was neat to hear from a, a veteran that was just serving uh, he was he was serving, you know, and supporting Gary Johnson, by the way, mm-hmm. during, during the during the election. Uh, the next few weeks, we are going to deep dive into local politics. So we are interviewing. Uh, we mentioned Butch Baker, who was a former sheriff. He's running for commissioner. We've got his opponent coming on uh, a couple of county council candidates. And then I think we've got Jonathan Lamb scheduled, who's running for uh, Sixth District Congress again. He's the primary challenger to uh, the vice president's brother. So hmm. lots of stuff going on. Boss Hog Liberty. Uh, follow right, you're, us you're, everywhere. You're, your time is up. That's, that's, it. that's <laughs> all I got, man. That's all. That's this all. is only a two and a half hour show. We don't have another two and a half hours for shelf promotion. Uh, At Jeremiah Morrill on the Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Boss Hog of Liberty. It's like Mayberry in podcast form, but with less black people. Uh, <laughs> It's it's a very fun show. I really enjoyed the Blonde Brunette, uh, and I don't think it's because I know all of the people. I think it was just a fun episode, uh, and I think you really like it. We've got a lot of great shows right now. I think the lineup is really strong. Uh, obviously, Boss Hog is killing it, and the Brian Nichols show is just getting launched. It's got ten episodes in, but Brian is doing a great job of interviewing a lot of interesting people, including Austin Peterson, hosting debates between. 
progressives, conservatives, and himself as the libertarian on things like environmental issues. Uh, so I think you'll really like the Brian Nichols show. It is, I, I mean, the the stats are really starting to grow, but I, I think this audience, when we have 7,000 listeners, I don't think Brian should have only 200 listeners in episode 10 in. I think you're going to I think you're going to flip once you once you hear that show. So go and check that out. Obviously Miranda's World, Tad Talk is back. Tad's been adding some uh episodes. He's been more motivated to uh, do podcasts since he was out at a bar and somebody said some bartender goes, "Aren't you Tad Western?" He's like, "Yeah. I I listen to your podcast. Why'd you stop?" So he's been putting out episodes. I, he is I, give him all the crap you want, but he is a gifted podcaster. He's Tad can so spin funny. a story. He is funny. <laughs> And right now he's out in Wichita, Kansas, getting stories. So I can't wait to hear his, his recap after, I was after Kansas. When I saw that there was a new one in the feed, and I was like, oh, I didn't know that there was another one up right now because it's all it always makes like it's a, it's a good easy listen whenever you listen to right. Chad. Yeah, like I tease Jer and the Boss Hog guys because they're a local podcast. They're building a local media right. outlet, but I think you'll find it interesting. I tease them for being hyper local, but Tad did like a whole series. <laughs> Ted did a whole series on a bridge in Rockville Road, on Rockville Road in Avon, Indiana, that like maybe none of his listeners actually passed, but he was pissed off about it. It was like the most fascinating series ever. He's just, Tad is probably one of the most underrated characters of the entire network because oh, he's, he's, he's unassuming. He doesn't really promote himself. He's just, he comes he's, up he's in sad. chats. <laughs> Dude, with the ch- in the chats, he comes up with the funniest lines. He's one yes. of the funniest people we know. So. And his pothole rant was unbelievable. <laughs> so, yes. The, the mayor of Indianapolis may have a hit out on Tad. <laughs> <laughs> Miranda's world, obviously our lovely Miranda. Some stuff has happened in her life recently that I cannot wait to podcast with her here in the next week and, and get to the bottom of it because she's in some shit. Yeah. She's in a lot of shit. Uh, who else have we got? You, you can't outrun your fork with Brett Bittner. Sporking with Brett, yeah. Sporking with Brett Bittner. Uh, Cade did since, an episode of that. I did an episode of that. Well, there's there's a lot moved, of fun episodes. It's been, since he moved, it's been a little spotty. I haven't seen very much. I think from he's him. done a couple from he's from couple? from out east. Yes, he's done he's done one or two. He's pod fading a little bit. So if you like if you like Y O C T R, then hit Brett up and say, hey, we need more podcast. <laughs> And then uh, the uh, the Chris Spangle show. The Chris Spangle show. I've been putting out a lot more episodes, and I'm going to be putting out a lot more episodes. I've I've got one where I outlined a meeting that I went to. I was uh, honored to be part of an advisory council of professional young millennials here in Indianapolis. I don't know how I got invited to it because I am not a professional. I showed up. Everybody was in suits. I was in my uh, fishing khakis and my <laughs> and my tennis shoes. I wore a polo that day, so I didn't embarrass us, but. He, uh, it was it was really cool to sit down on this advisory council with a lot of people that I I just I wouldn't meet in my regular day to day life and talk to the the head of the city county council, and I detailed some thoughts and I think that urban America is more ready for libertarianism than we realize and I I explain why on the Chris Spangle show, uh, I think I put up a couple things too but I'm I'm going to be putting up more because I want to practice practice I want to practice. It's okay, buddy. You'll get the word. I know. My tongue, I don't know if it's just growing fat with age, but uh, like your ears and nose do, but uh, so anyways, Chris Spangle Show, going to be doing more there, and also watch out for a couple new podcasts, the Raw Audio Politics feed. If you uh, want the a la carte selections of the SFL thing, all the stuff is in the uh, Raw Audio Politics feed. Just, Just go into iTunes, Google Play, and put in We Are Libertarians, and all that stuff will pop up, or go to WeAreLibertarians.com. So... 
Good time to tell you about all of our various selections. We're taking over your podcasting feed. All right. Well, thank you to Brandon Luke, Christy Avery, Jason Doolittle, and Craig DaCosta uh, for their continuous support at the $100 subscription level and on Patreon. You guys are all stars. We thank everybody who donates on Patreon. We've got 104 people that do that, uh, and it makes this go round. It, it is humbling and awesome that you guys support us at that level. Uh, and some of you, like Christy Avery and Craig DaCosta and Nick Economopoulos and uh, uh, Joey Tarner, you guys are Patreon subscribers, but you also pitched in for my trip to Washington, D.C., uh, Craig bought us a piece of equipment. I mean, so we've just got awesome, awesome supporters who really want to help see this grow. And when you read the letters, and I'm going to start being better about that, when you really, like, I want to thank people who wrote me, but I also want to tell you guys about it without getting into details. Uh, when I told my personal story on 270, I got so many amazing notes from people, uh, and I, I and Jer can validate this, that I'm not making this up, that... People wrote in and said, not only have I become a libertarian because of listening to this podcast, which this podcast creates new libertarians out of curious people, but you've made me a better person. I'm a better man because of listening to this podcast because of people like you and Harry and, and others that are involved in this project. Uh, I mean, it was, uh, you know, and I, I shared parts of one one letter with you. I mean, it's. So please say I'm not making this up just to He's make this up. not making it up. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, I, I'm amazed at the connection we get with listeners. I I, I finally had uh, I finally had one of those letters come in over at, at yeah. Boss Hog of Liberty. I was like, man, it was just it was big. Yeah. I mean that that one letter alone, the the half a dozen that I've received about two seventy. I I I I do this for free, but <laughs> if you really get down to it, but. Uh, Man, it just made all the work that goes into this worth it. And to know that we're not only creating new libertarians, but we're also helping people get sober. We're helping people uh, get more honest with their with themselves, get more honest with the ones that they love in their, their life, especially their wives. Uh, one of my goals through, by the end of my life is to really help men achieve a better balance of emotional balance, spiritual, mental balance, and, and talking to you guys through this program and other venues uh, about some of the lessons that I'm learning, and, and I always hope that it helps, and, and you always have doubts about putting out something like 270 and some of those personal testimonials, and man, did you guys respond, and uh, I just appreciate that so much, and I'm, I'm glad that my vulnerability speaks to your life and that you're going through the same stuff and that it helps you knowing you're not alone. So I just want to thank the people that wrote in and... Uh, and the people that support us and the people that just subscribe and, and listen but never really say anything, it's it's truly awesome to be a part of this community and to get to know you guys. And I hope that you will join our various groups and, and get you know send us emails. And we all love hearing from you. We all love hearing how the show impacts you. And I wanted to tell everybody because that's what this is about. That's why I need your support is we're making a difference. It, it, Right now, we're making a difference in lives, and 
within a few years, we're going to be making a larger societal difference. So if we keep it up, if we do my plan and we try to get on the amazing race together as the podcasting team, I would kill you. I think we would have the greatest time ever. So much content. You have your own amazing race. Look at your Sarah. No, no, it's got to be the podcaster team. Uh, see, here's the thing. I don't like to travel, really. I know. That's why this would be the greatest show ever. And I'm trying. I'm. I'm really. I'm. Uh, I'm going to book tri- trips to Porkfest and the National Libertarian Convention soon. So I'm going to be traveling within a two week span. And then in May, I'm going to Vegas for my brother's wedding. I've got so much traveling to do. And I don't want to do any of it, but I'm going to because I, I need to push myself a little bit. And like the thought of going around the world with Jeremiah Morrill, <laughs> like today's the Ides of March and I want to stab myself in the heart. A2 Chris Spangle. <laughs> like, no, it would be it would be fun. I'd love to go on a trip with you. No, I, yeah, I want to. We can win. We can totally we're gonna figure win. out how to we're going to figure out how to enter. We need to learn how to run first. Oh, I can run. I'm down 50 some. I'm, I'm, I'm let's run. I'm lighter. Let's sprint. I'm lighter. (laughs) Uh, Excuse me, sir. Can I get one of your mopeds? (laughs) All right. Thanks for joining us here in this episode of We Are Libertarians, and we will see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at wearelibertarians.com.